pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. This is R&R in the morning. Man in motion, handoff, Pollard coming right. Bang, zoom, touchdown, Cowboys. Wembenyama about three feet behind the line, got it! It's R&R in the morning with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa. Good morning! Good morning to you. It's Robin RJ, a Thursday edition. As we say around the radio ranch, it's a small Friday, so treat it appropriately. He is RJ Ochoa, the uh, managing editor of bloggingtheboys.com. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, Robert. Prime Rob. I uh I had a, a new thing happen to me Uh-oh. as it relates as it relates to this position, this show. Um, <laughs> you know, this is I don't know what show ten eleven at this point now, so yeah, seems to be going all right. They haven't pulled the plug yet, not yet. But you know, you know the the feeling when you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at the clock and you're like, oh, I still got like I still got time to sleep. Like, that's <laughs> Boy, a great feeling. But last night I woke up after you know I'd been asleep for a while mm-hmm. and and had that feeling. But normally in my life that feeling has has happened at like three a.m. Right, well three a.m. Yeah, this that's, show, that's what it hits me. It, that's, that's, but that's way too late. Like you, you look at the clock at 3 a.m. You're like, I don't have much time left. Like I'm, this is all you know downhill at this point. I woke <laughs> up at 12:30 and oh. was like, oh, thank God, uh, <laughs> like I still have time. You know what I mean? Like that had never really happened in in that exact sequence before. Well, the, you know, you're a young man. You got a long time to uh, you know get accustomed. It, it, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm at I'm at. Uh, Three, uh, two and a half years of doing this, the morning show. Um, it takes a bit to settle in. So, uh, and in fact, I, I hate to break it to you, and, and there's this little, little dirty secret. It gets worse. The first, you're running on adrenaline now, first couple of weeks, you're excited, but the rut hasn't begun. You know, you're still in the honeymoon period. So there's going to be a difficult time. Uh, and when that occurs, when you wake up at 1230, those are the best nights. You're like, oh, I've got X, I got three hours more. Or, you know, I get and three and a half hours is a godsend. So that you, you'll appreciate those nights. It's the, it's the, the 30 minutes before you got to get up. I got to pee. That's, oh, dude, that's the worst feeling on the world. And the as a man though. of my age, uh, that's uh, a problem. Yeah, it's a process too. Yes. Um, so the problem with last night's process is the Spurs <laughs> were on till like 1130. Yeah, it's man. like, come on, guys. I mean, you know, get it together. This 830 tip is, that's the biggest problem I have going on in my life. And here's one mm-hmm. of those problems of competitive, no thought, but not victorious Spurs games is at least this one, it got away from them late. You know, with about eight minutes to go, you can go, you know, I- I'm pretty comfortable with the end of this one. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, um, I was playing some underdog fantasy, oh. promo code star, shout yes, out to sir. Jason Minix. I needed, uh, I took 
it took higher on uh well i had they have you know they do those like basically here's a free prop and you just yeah, you yeah. do that with anything you want price picks um, use alamo you'll get 100 bucks they had a uh, price picks underdog whatever you want um they had anthony edwards over half a point in the first quarter and so yeah it's like oh and here's one okay like this is a free now you know nothing's ever guaranteed I will say I was sweating it. Anthony went zero for three to start the night, and I was like, "Oh my god!" But that's <laughs> like, this, see, that's one of those. Be... And then he got fouled, and he missed the first foul or free throw, and I was like, "No way!" <laughs> it's like this is not going to happen. Uh, thankfully, you know, he ended up hitting, and we were good. So I needed Wimby. That's all I needed. To, I took what did you have Wimby at? Higher on twenty three and a half points. Oh yeah, good so what's well, what I thought? Like, he's a but it made guy. you like, sweat. This, this, yeah, I, I was like, I'll be totally fine. <laughs> and so, like, but uh, ended the night with twenty four. So shout out to Wemby. Yeah, and that little matchup, which was certainly more fun to watch than the outcome of the game. Uh, I got to be really honest with you. Chet is further along in his game. It's obvious. He's further along offensively. He is much more fluid than Wemby. How dare you? But dare Victor you. has a, a a a ceiling the likes of which. You're you're Rob Lowe. That's who you are. No, I but like, I, know, I recognize the the pun, the unintentional pun there. But you are Rob Lowe. That's who why, you why, why, why would you say that? Well, you're walking back. You know, look, no, you know, no. Chet, Wimby's Chet better. Little... Wimby's better. I'm just yeah. saying, as a whole, Wimby showed it. Wimby showed why he Wimby is the rookie him. of the year. Yes, he did. But but offensively, when you watch Victor and just I mean, when you watch the two between Victor and Chet Holmgren and just watch them as side by side video offensively facing the basket, what it looks like when they dribble, more importantly, what it looks like fluidly and movement-wise after contact. How does their body respond to that? And you can tell some of it is with Victor is, is you know, youthful weakness. He just doesn't have old man, young man, old man strength. You know what I mean? He doesn't understand the leverage that's required. So he gets knocked off his dribble. Where When you watch Chet, this cat has had a year working with NBA bigs. He's had a year on an NBA True like health plan. It's almost like he's not a rookie. And it looks that way. But even despite all of that, Wimby has more. He's got more this and more that and more all of it. And in the long term, Chet is going to be a very good uh, to great NBA player. But when you see them side by side, you can see why as good as Wimby or Chet is, Wimby has more. Has more possibility, more potential. Though, they lost, and it was a convincing. Uh, Trey Jones miss was missed, but I'll tell you, I am becoming more and more a Blake Wesley fan. I'm, with every passing game, this game speeds up for the Spurs when Blake is in there. It's they get faster, and it's it helps. It's something that we that you can tell Pop has wanted. Have you noticed over the last several weeks? The uh, the deep outlet pass has become more and more part of the Spurs fast break game, where the first rebounder is looking up, is Wimby going? Because all I got to do is throw it high, and when Wimby grabs it, he's looking forward too. And Wesley now has the foot speed, the dribble speed, to get the ball up there just as quickly, and has a good eye up up court. I like watching Wesley. Uh, not to take anything away from Trey Jones, I think we would have been far better equipped there in, in the. That late first quarter, early second quarter run that OKC took and that ne- the Spurs could never surmount, uh, that was a time when I, we missed uh, Trey Jones. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and all that's fine. I mean, you're right. It's, you know, 
Blake is, you know, certainly an interesting option to say the very least. Um, did you have something you looked? No, no, no. I, it, it, I'm glad. But I was gonna when you said interesting option, I was thinking, you know, it, it's. I'm glad we finally have that option on a regular basis. It seems like you know, over his brief career, it, it, as soon as he has ever started to gather any kind of momentum. Uh, injury has happened or another injury from somebody else was they got better and he got moved back and you know he's never had a consistent opportunity to be something and he's taking advantage of i think to your point just the fact that you know i said he's a a fine option but the fact that he's just an existing option is a victory in and of itself um yeah i mean i think you know you've been saying all week you've been you were kind of you know writing a little bit of a check Rob, oh, I, I think we're going to sneak up on Oklahoma. I did. I, I thought we I, would. I, I think Chauncey's going to win his uh, his petition. I think the Thunders are going to grab two losses on Wednesday. Nope. No, uh, kind of happen. embarrassing. Did, it was, didn't happen. You know, so, I hate you know. to say, it was never really close. No. I mean, the Wemby, the Wemby thing was, that's also not close. Again, this whole like, oh, Chet's better. Wrong. No. Wemby's better. Like, dude, he owned him. And you know what was awesome? He was he was kind of into it. Like, it was there was some, you know... There was some pizzazz going on there uh, during rivalry week. Uh, Which, first of all, as a guy who speaks to people, rivalry week is very difficult to enunciate on a regular basis. Rivalry week. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. See, that's the kind of thing that you go, why are they doing this? Because I have to say it. And two, hasn't that already been taken by college? Can you just decide we're going to do this too? I mean, why can't well, like, you're acting like rivalries only exist? It, it's in funny how yeah. the NBA is like uh, they they're, they're st- they are not ashamed to steal. They look over at the Premier League and they see this tournament and they go, you know what? That's not a bad idea. We're going to take they- that. <laughs> we're we're going to do just That's like not- that. And you know how soccer's okay, all over my- the world. We're gonna, we're going to start playing football in Brazil. How y'all like that? We're going we're going to go to Brazil. We're we're not afraid to take things in America. We'll, we'll just. We'll just go do it. Okay. The, the why do we feel the need to make Brazilians concept. play our game? Why do we feel the need to send football to Brazil? Why? 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 The in-season tournament, I'll kind of give you that they stole that a little bit, but that—that's just if their model follows any other professional sports league in the world, the Premier League is the one that makes the most sense. Oh yeah, given the given the international nature of it, but they nobody's stealing rivalry week. I mean, you know, <laughs> to act like there are there are obvi- like, but. I do think it's interesting to claim that the Thunder are like Our the, the Chet fact. The, the, the Chet thing obviously works out well now, but uh, to claim that the Thunder are the rival is a bold choice to say because they are so far ahead of us, and they're ahead of the rest of the NBA in this part of the game. Oklahoma City, they looked at what what Shea Gilgis can do, and then they went and at and they had Lugans Dort, who is a bulldog. Dude is built like a fullback. And then you look at Jay Will, the, their second-year player, the dude that hit the winning shot the other night that he shouldn't have been able to even take, the way he played mm-hmm. last night, the size of their perimeter dudes. It's like playing a – those guys are so tough. They just bullied our guards. And there's not a lot of teams that have the size in the backcourt that can match that. They just beat you up, and they can shoot. Um, Oakley, OKC is a very, very good basketball team. They they don't know how good they are. They're that good. Well, this was a um, it wasn't a game. It was an exercise that both teams partook in. That the Thunder rolled to a rather convincing win throughout the process of. 
um, but did so with the less powerful superstar. It was, it, yeah, it was a grinding defeat. I mean, they, they, you know, the Spurs came out with venom. Boy, they, they were coming at them. And, you know, the drop step move to start the game for Victor and them, they're running with them and rebounding block shots. And then they just, they did what great teams do. Four point lead, seven point lead, 10 point lead, 13 point lead, 15 point lead. And then we're just going to play with you all night long. And then good night, good riddance. Let's hit the streets. And that's what they did. That's how far ahead yeah. they are. And they are young enough to bring it. Every night, you know, they they bounce around. There's a there's a youthful energy about them. Um, what do you think of Giddy? Trying to think of speaking of youthful. What do you, what do you mean? Like he's good, right? Is there really? Yeah, is there another thought to have besides well, yeah. that? I mean, there's some skeeviness to us that that evidently isn't matter. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today in the NFL. One job filled, still some open. We'd like to welcome the other Harbaugh back to the NFL. Who's got it better than them? We're talking about co- college coaches going pro. We're talking about Harbaugh taking his seat in L.A. Where does he sit? Is he third chair? Is he fourth chair? Do the Chargers even exist in L.A.? So many questions. We got answers. This is Rob and RJ. You are on 94.1 San Antonio's Sports Star. Hey, good morning to you. It's Rob and RJ. And make sure you are downloading, liking, sharing, doing all the appropriate efforts. Uh... Go to sasportstar.com. There's lots of stuff to do there. Uh, get yourself registered. We got $2,024. We're giving away holiday cash. National contest, yeah, but we want you to win it. Uh, the way to win it is to get yourself registered while you're there. Uh, we're playing golf March the 25th. Quick reminder, get yourself signed up post haste. We don't want you to miss out on what is always a fabulous time. Uh, we'll have it out at the uh, Golf Club of Texas. Uh, the, all these recent rains you know are going to make for a beautiful course. Come there at the end of March. It'll be March Madness. It'll be reason to hang out. It'll be fun. How's your game? You want my golf game? Yeah. It's all right. You're good. It's, it's been in better shape before, but it's all right. I've had the opportunity to play with you, and I know that you can play. I'm looking forward to spending the day on the greens with you, as uh, with the other 144 players that we will have fun with that day. So uh, the news broke yesterday afternoon. Not surprising to anybody. Uh, uh, we have another Harbaugh in the NFL. We have Jim and John. Uh, they've both been there before. Been a decade or so since they've been there. And here he comes again. Not a surprise. He's landing in, in L.A. Now, now, that's a good land. We've been talking about him getting there because of Herbert and, you know, the situation he finds himself. But, you know, my question to you is, while we knew we expected this was coming, why did he want to go to L.A. so bad? Because he's kind of a glory boy. He likes the He likes the headlines. He likes being up there. And in L.A., he is... What are you talking about? What do you mean? Like I, that's why it's perfect for him. Well, um, it's a big so, market, but that doesn't mean they care about what he's doing. So I think Dan Campbell had a, a quote in his initial press conference with the Lions, the not the kneecaps quote and everything, but uh, <laughs> where he uh, he said, "I'm I'm paraphrasing or putting words in his mouth, but he said, you know, if if you can win in Detroit, you know, you could be a legend." Here. You know, and I think that would be true, right? Like you, 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 you do that, right? Like you're kind of one of one. Yeah. Um, now, there's a different type of legendary status to if you resuscitate, if you restore glory. You know, there's there's kind of you know there's a bigger legend associated with that. Like whoever is the person who restores glory to the Dallas Cowboys is like you know the center of the sports universe for the foreseeable future. 
Jim Harbaugh did that at Michigan, right? Like if Jim Harbaugh had done everything he did at Michigan at like, I don't know, um, Florida State, do we care as much? You know yeah. what I mean? If he done every, if, no, we don't. You know what I mean? There's just no way. No, like, no, you're right. No, you're right. Michigan so is a like, singular kind of thing. You're right. It's the, it's the winningest program in college football mm-hmm. history. So like, so he restored glory and not that there's glory to restore with the Los Angeles Chargers, but I mean, dude, the NFL network headquarters are adjacent, you know, <laughs> like it's a, it's a, it's a television show. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what it is. That's an opportunity to be at the front and center of the NFL universe with a quarterback who the NFL so desperately wants to be its face in Justin Herbert. I mean, how many times have has just, just, uh, Justin Herbert's closing the gap between him and Patrick Mahomes, the Chargers? They're a real threat in the AFC West this year. I, look, I, I maintain, like everybody does, that Jim Harbaugh has won everywhere he's ever been. And so it's smart to bet on him. But the power of the Chargers is too much. I can't. Like, I'm, I'm not going to walk this walk. I, I'm right. not going to believe that this is going to happen just because it's Jim Harbaugh. I recognize the pairing of the two, but it's, it's too much. But I totally understand the move because he, he has everything going for him to be mm-hmm. a, a superstar face of the most powerful sports league on the face of the planet. All that's true. But you, if by a the tree way, no, falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, it really this is This isn't a forest. This is a big deal. Uh, oh, it, it the, is the NFL, to the Chargers. The NFL desperately wants the Los Angeles teams to be relevant and to be hot and to be in the mix. And Jim offers uh, an olive mm. branch to that. Re- the, the Rams literally won the Super Bowl. I agree. And, and nobody really like views them you know, in, in hot commodity range. But if, mm-hmm. if he can do that with the Chargers and Justin Herbert and, you know, bring some attitude, et cetera, et cetera, people are already having all sorts of fun with this, Rob. And maybe maybe you're going to poo-poo this a little bit. Um, we were talking about We were talking about Alanis Morissette before the show started. Uh, are you a fan of Natasha Bedingfield? Uh, yeah, I am, actually. Right. Well, the rest is still unwritten, but um, this was written in the stars. So I don't know if you know this or not, but the Chargers Twitter account used to belong to somebody uh, that they ultimately worked for the Chargers. Well, he worked for the Chargers and, you know, kind of changed Twitter handles. But some of his, like, original tweets, you know, still live. And, right. and people reference them. So there's a very, very, very popular tweet that people bring up all the time that looks like it's from the Chargers um, that reads something like, so hungry, need to find my wife and go to P.F. Chang's. And it's just a, a funny <laughs> tweet to, <laughs> to, to look at from a team brand account. Do you know that Jim Harbaugh met his wife in the parking lot of a P.F. Chang's. <laughs> That's awesome. This was destiny. <laughs> That's awesome. So that and my, my, my point is the NFL is so hungry, no pun intended, for these kinds of things to exist but and thrive in the universe of the Chargers. You're, you're right, RJ. But the NFL has been hungry for that since the mid-70s. I mean, the, how but, many times have we attempted to awaken the L.A. market for football? And it comes and goes. I mean, Al Davis, the ultimate hound for publicity, tried it. It didn't work. They won a Super Bowl. They did. They won a Super Bowl. And they LA. ended up leaving because no one cared. They sold some gear. They couldn't sell a ticket. And this is since they and since the NFL moved back in 2016. Jim Harbaugh is the biggest superstar that the market has gotten. I, I will give you that. I will give you star power is there. But the Chargers aren't even viewed as theirs. They don't even look at the Chargers as their own team. In the hierarchy wow. of, of wow. needs or of, of appreciation in the greater L.A. Orange County market, 
the Chargers are behind both of the soccer teams. Not just one of them, both Who's? of them. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Dodgers. Maybe the Chargers end up ahead of USC right now with Lincoln, but I don't I even think, think they're, they're ahead. Of ahead. USC. Okay, we'll give so, them USC. So they're fifth it's a, place in it's a Dodger market. Town. So, like, like, if you look at the superstars, right, let's take like the the, the face of each franchise, so mm-hmm. to speak. Well, not, not pick the face you want from the from the Dodgers, but I mean, you could certainly, obviously, should go Otani now. So, I mean, you got a sizable lead. The you know the Dodgers do on on second place, and that's then, because second place is LeBron James, right? <laughs> but, you Dodgers, know, so, Lakers, and that's a, that's seventy percent of the market right there, right there. That's I just, eating up. So even if you you know want to give third to Kawhi and Paul George. I I think Harbaugh's fourth. I mean, you know, he's the highest. Like this is the, this is the most juice that a football. And I'm not saying it has juice, but it is the most juice that a football program has had because in this run, like if we maybe since LeBron, you know, joined the Lakers, no football team, collegiate or professional, has really you know held serve in Los Angeles, despite the fact that the Rams won the Super Bowl. Sean McVay is is the wonderkind of the NFL, sure. but he's not he's not a superstar. Jim Harbaugh is a superstar, and you know, it's I actually saw a tweet too. Who's the face of college football? I know you're talking about the Chargers, but Nick Saban retired, Jim Harbaugh's gone. Well, I know, Who's the and that's, face? that's going to be a great conversation. Uh, in fact, we should talk about that. Um, with the, I mean, we, we we saw it in college basketball, and it happened fast. We we right. lost Roy Williams, we lost Mike Shashevsky, we lost Bayheim. We I mean, we lost the pillars. They all left fast, and the adjustment period has been kind of weird. I mean, there's a lot of good basketball still being played, but there's no. There's no Mount Rushmore out there, and now we're starting to see this in college football. And is it the same reasons? As we see college sports change, as we see the NIL arrive and paid players and all that, the differentiation between the two is very is not that much. Are we think- seeing a coalition of what head coaches do in both college and pro because of the money? Or is this just a process because the college game is so much part a part of the modern NFL that college coaches are a requirement anymore? Let's talk about why that's happening coming up. We'll talk silver and black at 7 as we always do. And I have a desperate plea for the front office types from San Antonio. We'll talk about that at 7 o'clock. R.J. Ochoa, Natalie attired in his Dallas Cowboy blogging the boys polo. I myself comfortably in a way too long sleeve shirt. I just thought it was going to be 70 degrees and humid today. Hey, get your butts up. It's a small Friday. You're on R&R, and this is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, good morning to you. It's Robin RJ. Happy Thursday. We're almost there. It's a division, cha- I'm sorry, conference championship weekend. We'll have all you need on Sunday. Our broadcast brought to you by Yingling Light. We start early and go late. Lots of uh, stuff to talk about there. Uh, we'll be talking about the uh, Jim Harbaugh acquisition by the Chargers all day long as well. But as he exits, so sits the college football landscape. And I don't think this is done. Three quarters of those uh, Final Four teams lost their coaches. Saban's gone. Oh, by the way, we got some sound from. Uh, uh, m- m- remember Will Anderson? What do you mean? Remember? You mean <laughs> the third overall pick in the draft? That of guy. Course I remember. He's all. You remember pro. the guy who was awesome on one of the surprise and amazing playoff teams a couple of weeks, literally last week? Uh, he had a description of. Uh, well, he. Uh, 
describe playing for both Saban and uh, Ryan's. Uh, it had an interesting response as to who he appreciated more, uh, but we'll get there later. But uh, kind of goes to show where we're living, um, that the college football world is, is changing because of the way that the college football is now played and talent acquired. And some of these coaches are just finding it ain't worth it. The, the old ways were just better for them, and I think some of that is Harbaugh leaving Michigan, but some of that Harbaugh loved that. He was always the one pushing the envelope. And some of it is like Saban, guys just tired, done. If Saban was to walk away two years ago, we would have said, yeah, we get it. I mean, you're the, you're up there, if not the best. What do you mean? He's, he's the GOAT. There's no question about it. Well, I mean, we all had our generations of great coaches. I've seen guys. Uh, there's been other coaches have a run like Saban before. So he is the greatest of this ger- generation. I'll, I'll give him that. He's He's the goat. There's no, we can, we can say it. It's okay. He's no, I'm not going to give him that. I, he is very, wow. very, he's up there. And, and there's nobody ever been better. I'll put him that. I'll put it. No, no college coach what? has <laughs> ever been better than Nick Saban. Then he's the goat. Well, there's, the, well, there's the a lot of, well, if you're going to do that, I, I put him equal to others, though. I'd put him equal to a guy that was there before him in the same office, had the anyway. same kind of run. But what I'm saying is, but that was very different football back then. And we're not going to see the likes of this for a long time. It'll happen again. There'll be a college coach that has a a, a 10-year, 15-year run of of extraordinary greatness due to his gravitas alone. But uh, we're not there yet, and this is the best we've ever seen. But I do think the college football world used to be considered, you know, you, you could make more as a college football coach. Talking cash? Yeah, you can get paid more as a college football coach. Yeah. there ain't no pro football coach ever gets seventy five million dollars to go away. I think I think you can be, you can also be a bigger superstar in college. Yes, than, than the NFL. You can. And that's be, why. That's why Nick Saban is the goat. That's I mean that's why you know the the uh, passion I guess associated with college football coaches over the last twenty twenty five years is a little bit different. Nobody nobody rides for their NFL head coach in the same way. Like even even the longest tenure ones. Like look at Jim Harbaugh. I'm sorry, John Harbaugh. Like. You know, I, like Ravens fans adore him, and I'm not at all implying he's a poor coach, but mm-hmm. like he doesn't have the the rabid loyalty that even somebody like Sark has now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and and obviously the sample size is incredibly different. But Sark all of a sudden is like one of the longest tenured, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. g- coaches in, of a blue blood now. Like, who is the face? I mean, I, I have a, I have the answer, so I'm curious to see if you get it right or if you get it wrong. But Saban's out. Obviously, although I think we probably expect he'll be involved in some capacity, some sort of Manning cast. Um, by the way, look, we'll have our airing of grievances. I don't need any more Manning casts. I don't need like former people in this line of work to watch the thing with me anymore. It was cool the first 500 times. I don't need it anymore. So I, I don't need a Saban cast. Where am I, I going to get my uh, half zip recommendation? I don't need a Saban cast. But anyway, so Saban's out. Jim Harbaugh's out. Who is the face of college football? Right now, the face of college football To the average fan, what would what? I mean, there's there's passing to fan, and then there's to, football to prime fan. Rob. Hmm. There's one answer. There's a correct answer. Well, it's unfortunately the one that comes to mind. I don't like because the first guy that came to that's my mind problem. was Dabo Swinney, and I'm like, that's I can't answer. imagine that's the, that that's yeah. And I don't. It's I his think, world. I don't think it's anybody in college football is happy with the fact that suddenly, with the exodus of the. Uh, the personalities of Harbaugh and Saban, that the face of college football is Dabo, shut up, get off my lawn, Swinney, who I mean, represents can... everything of old and what's wrong 
with you can hate it. College it change that it's true. Football coaches. He's he's got he's got the personality. Granted, you may not like it. He's also got the track record and the resume. Right. He's, what about so he's Kirby? Kind of, Kirby didn't have the same right. personality. You, you you've got to like Kirby might have the you know the material you know what I mean to work with in terms of his team, but Dabo's got the credentials right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so Kirby has a has a chance, I think, to to leapfrog him. But he's 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 runner up right now. He's the proper understudy. Um, let's see here. We've got some comments. Momo Mo correct says face of college football is Dabo. Um, Pete says Kelly. Uh, Robert says Kirby Smart. So the, the, all Roberts are kind of simpatico this morning. Well, I'm Marco not saying also- it's Dabo. It is not Kirby Smart. Kirby doesn't want to be that guy. If he wanted to be, he could be. He's got the biggest platform. Kirby's to do the most from. boring. I just want to be really good at you know, this, you know, and I don't, I don't need to entertain anybody. It is, you know? I, I'm so glad that we've mentioned these two coaches, because in my experience as being a, a novice, half-wit, sideline guy coaching, uh, you know, I, I do not proclaim to be a coach. I've been a guy who stood on the sideline with some young kids. But having been around that and been around other guys that were doing this, and I think I can extrapolate this to the broader sense of what coaches are. There's three kinds of coaches in, in my experience. There's College the coach. football coaches? No, any, co- any coach. Oh, okay. Any okay. coach. There's three kinds. And this applies to pros. Uh, there's more of one kind than the other in the pros, and there's more than one kind than the other in, in, in college. And there's and then there's the, all three. You'll find all three in uh, the grassroots level, whether it be AAU, high school, whatever. Are you be. are you designing the uh, the archetype that you choose? When no, you this is, I think, anybody who's game, ever played any sport. No, you, I'm just saying. Motivator? Kind of, kind of. But I think anybody who's ever played any sport has run into any three of these. There's one, one of three archetypes. There is the guy that just loves the game. There's the guy who played it tried hard at it, learned the game, and just loves it. Is a football, basketball, baseball hound. He eats, sleeps, and drinks it and will for his entire life. There's that guy who just loves the game and will be a part of it one way or another no matter what. Then okay. there is the teacher, the guy who loves the game but wants to get guys better, wants to teach and get guys better. I'm not saying that the guy that loves the game can't be that guy, but the first trait, like the first ingredient right. on any food, there's, is there's primarily what they between, are. I would, I would amend your first one to the guy who's just obsessed with the game. Yes, obsessed. The fundamentals of the game. The everything. X's and the O's of the game. Okay. Eats it, watches it, drinks it, loves stats, loves, loves the smell of the gym, the field, everything. There's that guy. And we'll do okay. anything to be a part of the game, and coaching is just the, one of them. And then there's the three. guy who is a teacher, who played the game, loves the game, but you know appreciates the uh, fine-tuning of the game. And that's the, stat- the, 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 the uh, tactician, the teacher, the developer. There's those okay. guys. And Number then trace. there is the leader of men. That, Ooh, that okay. is just, I got you. well, it doesn't matter whether they're running a garage, they're running a, a military unit, a company or a football team. There's a great coach in the history of San Antonio. His name was Joe Cortez. He coached out at Central Catholic High School. He was a uh, basketball coach by trade. But uh, one season came up, and he had to he had to coach football. So you know what he did? He got a rule book for football, and I hope I'm getting the story right. It's one sport to another. And just won a state title, never having played the game, just read the rules and went to work. That is a leader so- of men. That will take you from places. Now, pros, you get sometimes you get a little of both. And normally to be a right. pro, you gotta be all three. I mean, you have to right. be all but, three to get there, but there's a prominent but it, skill set. Yeah, everybody has a, a slant. Right. And to your point, um, obsessive, 
strategist, so to speak, you know, whatever, and leader of men, Bill Different. Belichick, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh. Those, uh, are your, those are your kind of faces of, of each mold, I think. I, I think well. so. I think so. Uh, but and the so, reason I'm seeing college coaches leave and head to the pros, because for the longest time, I think the prominent trait you had to have as a pro coach was leader of men. But these guys were, you know, you had professionals who were going to spend eight and ten years honing their craft. That they were going to, by the time they were done, all you were was getting them ready. They were already as physically as capable as they were ever going to be. Now, schemes change and ideas change. But the way that it's transmitted, the way you do it, you don't have to do that. But as we've gotten younger, and as we've skewed to to 20-year-old quarterbacks in the NFL, and as we've skewed to three years and out, because i got to pay $50 million to my starting quarterback, I can't keep these young guys around. So i gotta got to get a guy in here who will not only teach the game, but i got to get a rah-rah guy in. i got to get a Dan Campbell in. i got to get a guy who might not have been a functional coach that's, back that's in the day. Yes. That, so I see the, the brain drain from college to pros because i got to go get college coaches that can teach but also get these kids motivated to go and play for a shirt. I think all great coaches have some level of, you could call it leadership. But you, all of them do. But they all it, have but a it, primary but, strength. But you, but you can throw a wider net around it and call it relatability. You know, for one reason or another. And that's the and recruiting side. If, 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 right. I mean, but if, if you're looking at the current landscape of the NFL, consider your four coaches, right? Kyle Shanahan's relatable because he's a genius. And mm-hmm. so he can, he can help he's you the succeed. If, if, but if you're a player in his system, he can help you thrive. He can mm-hmm. help you get yours, so to speak. But he's not going to make you, you run through a wall. He's not going to rah-rah no, no, no. you out no, the gym. But, but my point is, like, you have to have some level of relatability, which is what we're talking oh, about. Oh, extraordinary. John, John Harbaugh might be the biggest leader of men standing of, of the final four teams in the NFL and has kind of kept with the times he's dancing in the locker room mm-hmm. right like he's not he's not this like old disconnected you know shadow sort of a figure of a head coach Andy Reid is also relatable in like a Uncle Andy kind of way like has that vibe going on about him Dan Campbell is clearly the most relatable Dan can if Dan Campbell were in college he'd be the face of college football like, there's yes, no doubt about he's it, a rah-rah eat him up right. so, play for the jersey kind of guy the most commonly said thing about Jim Harbaugh and the new look Chargers is they won't be soft anymore. That's that's like you look mm-hmm. at any level of analysis right now about the Chargers and what they're going to be like under Jim Harbaugh. It's they won't be soft anymore, and that's just a that's a, a twisting of this whole mindset. They will play for Jim Harbaugh. They they will rally around Jim Harbaugh. They will be a more functional team, and that nets you two and a half wins just off of that alone. In some you know kind of loose respect. And that's why he's had success anywhere he's gone because he can. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've always said, if you can convince fifty-three dudes to believe that the sky is orange, it's orange. Like it doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> what color it is. But like, if you can get fifty-three people, a hundred percent of a room to believe that, that's all that really matters. And that's Jim Harbaugh's strength. But his strength is also to be a massive egotistical superstar. And I, I, <laughs> I think that you know, operating this entire function in franchise in Los Angeles is going to help him out in that capacity. Hey, we're we're going to get overwhelmed with Jim Harbaugh this season. I get the sense they're going to try. but I, I, What do you mean? It's already happening. Uh, I told I, you the P.F. Chang story. It's nice and hot. It is. This is a deal. It's hot. Again, I cannot. The L.A. Chargerdom in the hierarchy of importance in that market is so far down there. The moment he I, starts slipping, he is going to the bottom of the hill, man. You I better hold on tight. Important question quickly from Robert in the chat. Do you think Harbaugh found out about the pending sanctions and that's why he's left? I think Harbaugh has known 
what's coming around the bend for a long time, and and that's why he's he's wanted out. I mean, he's he wants the the fame and attention, obviously, with being associated with the NFL. But there's oh. no like his penalty is going to be like, well, you can't coach in college football for two years. I want to I want to so talk stupid. about that. That's worthy of conversation. We got silver and black coming. The Spurs go down, but Wimby wins. That is going to be a familiar refrain by the end of this season, I think. Uh, coming back, did Harbaugh run from sanctions, and what does that tell you about the the state of the college football? We're talking about it next. This is Robin RJ on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, we're talking silver and black in just a couple of seconds. Welcome back to 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. You know, uh, the the talk about Harbaugh running uh, from imminent charges. Well, he spent six games of the 10. Suspend all home. Did he get to see a home game this year? Um, no. Yeah, he ran. We, that's one of the reasons everybody expected he was going to leave, win, lose, or draw, that there were – Something coming, but I'm not sure what kind of teeth we're going to be inside of those things. Because some of those things they're mad at that the uh, the spy stuff that was going to get him. The other stuff, I don't think they had any worry about taking his team. No, the hamburger thing, yeah, it was all silly. I mean, but but there's no question. There's something. There had to be. There there has somebody has to pay. You know what I mean? This is um this is you know somebody has to go to prison type conversation, right? Like, and so Jim Jim's going to get a slap on the wrist, like. Again, you can't coach in college football for five years or whatever. I mean, that's actually probably way too long. But they're not going to even do it, that, man. It's it's going to be the it's, you're going to have a ten game ban in college no. football, something like that. Like it's it's going to be nothing. I mean, what where is where where will Harbaugh coach next? Alabama. Harbaugh's going to Bama after the Chargers. You know, it, it could go one of two ways. Um, it, it, this could be a Jimmy Johnson scenario for 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 Jim because uh, this is a very different NFL. I know the college kids are different, and he knows the college kids, and I think that's going to help him. But the league is not what it was. And, you know, he was a precursor to what we're seeing now. Kaepernick running around doing what he did looks a lot like what we're watching now, right? Heck of a coach. The effects will be felt. We're talking about all that, but soon enough, we're talking about a Spurs loss and a Wimby win. Silver and black conversation coming up next. Go get your popcorn. It's going to be fun. This is R&R in the morning. Man in motion, handoff, Pollard coming right. Bang, zoom, touchdown, Cowboys. Wembenyama about three feet behind the line, got it! It's R&R in the morning with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa. Good morning! Hey, good morning to you. It's Rob and R.J., on a small Friday. Welcome to 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. We do it every day at 7 o'clock. It's our silver and black. Make sure you are subscribed to such things so you get the notifications as appropriate. And tell a friend because it's good for everybody. Uh, last night wasn't good for anybody but Victor Wimbayama. He did win the matchup, but he lost the war. As uh, the Spurs gave up 77 points in the second half, allowed the Oklahoma City Thunders to score a season-high 140 points. Spurs uh, managed 114, and there goes the game. Um, Shea Gildas-Alexander was the MVP caliber, uh, played extraordinarily well, 32-10. and 10. He became the fourth player in the Thunder uh, Supersonics history. It's 
weird to say. With back-to-back 30 and 10, joining Russell, uh, Gary Payton, and the uh, great Lenny Wilkins. Um, Spurs got down late at the first and never, never could break through that 13 to 15 point line. And by the end of the game, it was scrubs playing on, on scrubs. So I don't really count that, but they were competitive yet again. And I guess that's a moral victory and we can walk away today, RJ with uh, Wimby, you know, standing tall. He, he went at it and played well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I go back and forth. I mean, on, on the one hand, the patient part of me, the, I guess rational part of me is saying, hey, Wemby played great, lots to like, you know, Blake played great, no trade in, in you know, lieu of Trey Jones, yeah. right? You can you can find things to hang your hat on, but the losing's starting to get really annoying. The losing's starting to, to be this battle of attrition that I think mm-hmm. we've been very, 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 very patient. And you know what? You already tanked. You already got the generational superstar. You, the, the part that's supposed to suck already sucked and should be in the past, and so... Uh, I recognize that, that Oklahoma City looks like one of the best teams in the NBA right now. And so, you know, you have to have some moderate expectations, but, you know, be a little bit more competitive. This, this was over, what, halfway through the third? I mean, you know, that's – you never want that. That was disappointing. Yeah, the the, the 70 points in the second half. And, and you could look for individual issues. Uh, Jeremy Sohan didn't score to the second half. Uh, but there was a concerted effort, uh, I think, to keep him off the boards. And, the, the you know, the, they got out-rebounded by about 10 uh, fast breaks to death, had 18 turnovers. Uh, they let them shoot nearly 45% from three and uh, over 50% from the field. Spurs shot 50%, but uh, they were like 9-20 from three. They they couldn't shoot. The offense was always just kind of disrupted by the physicality of Oklahoma City. Diagonal, I, I, I hate to go, but I guess that's how we would pronounce it. Mike Diagonal, the head coach, okay, see, he's got him a, t- a squad, man. This this team looks very much like Denver in in twenty. Um, you can see it coming. They're 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 not far away from being legitimately uh, undefeated at home, winning fifty percent on the road, just because they have every attribute that is required to win big games. They've got big players. They got big shooters. They've got good defense. They've got an adequate bench, and they can shoot. I mean that that's a very good team. So losing to a team like that home or on the road's not but we made them look better because our defense is our transition defense is just so bad. So awful. And are, is it because there's just so many rotations that they just don't know or is it just so I, they just don't have it but there is just not a lot of want to on defense and there hasn't been all year last night individually you know you have one little lapse and they just never could come back from it just can't they don't know how to stop teams this is a frustrating question to think about but so what Wimby exists in a category of his own right we, we can acknowledge that we don't have to compare anybody to him Mm-mm. in any way shape or form who's the best defensive player on the spurs who's the best defensive non-Wimby player on the spurs uh, non-Wimby well i was told it was devin Vassell as our best perimeter defender and i'm starting to wonder uh not that he's not good but it there's not a lot of good on ball. We don't close out on three-point shooters for whatever reason. We just need no. to leave guys wide open. And I, at some point, you start, these guys aren't foolish. They know that that's their guy standing way out there. Rob, you know, I have a, there's, there's a great question in the chat here from Antonio. It's a great but really kind of you know rattling sort of question. Don't look at the chat. Um, okay, I'm, I want to I see your face when I, when I tell it to you. Antonio Williams says, if Wemby was not on this team, would they still have the same record? That is a super depressing question. Um, no. 
What do you mean no? It would be Ugh. worse. I, I mean, we could we How could, could it be? we only have what? what do we have? Eight eight wins. Yes. Eight well, wins. I can give two of them directly to Wimby, especially the first one. I mean, without, okay. so. Okay, yeah, we'd be Maso equally Menos, as bad. They no, would have no, the you, same record. he is absolutely I mean, like, right. It, 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 but that's yeah. the strange thing about this year. This is the and he hit on the very issue that we're going to be dealing with for the rest of the year. If you're so good, why aren't we better? If, if you're and the numbers are ridiculous. Wimby recorded his seventh game of twenty and ten and four, the most by any rookie since Tim Duncan in ninety seven. Why aren't you, we better? Uh, you familiar with the uh, the tungsten arms or whatever tweet about Otani and um, and uh, and Mike Trout? Are you familiar with? Whenever with this tweet? it comes to tweets, just assume I'm not. Well, there's a, a tweet that would percolate a lot. Obviously, Otani and, and Mike Trout were amazing players for the right. Angels, um, and so there's this tweet that I think was originally tweeted like two years ago that was like every time I'm paraphrasing because I don't know that off the top of my head, but it's like. I see tweets all the time. This person said, I see tweets all the time where it's like, Otani and Mike Trout both accomplished X, Y, and Z. This hadn't been done in the history of baseball since the Tungsten Arms did it in 1941, um, all while the Angels lost 13-3 to to the Tigers or something like that. So it's, it was just like this like otherworldly individual performances while the team lost. And that's what your Wemby thing that you just read kind of feels like. I'm I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm not disappointed by it. I'm enjoying it. I'm trying to be patient about the whole process. But at a certain point, it starts to ring a teeny bit hollow when, when all these cool things are happening, but they can't stack up the wins. And this is an unfair moment to have that conversation because no, it's Oklahoma a very City fair moment. is so... Well, I'm saying relative to Oklahoma City because well, Oklahoma City... I don't expect them to beat that team. Okay, Nobody so can. we I mean, expect uh, the Spurs to be following the same process. That OKC was on. Acquire a crap load of draft picks. Maybe one of them falls into your lap like Shea Gilgis. You draft yourself an all-NBA guy. You, you get a top number one pit for Chet. You get a J-Will that falls into your lap. And, and, and suddenly, you've got a much more talented team, maybe a year faster than you expected, although you had to but deal that, with Homer. You're just but what hoping, I'm saying is... That's just hope. No, it's not you're right. Plan. But look at, look at the Spurs starting five. Versus the OKC starting five. And look at their okay. five and look at the Spurs starting five and go, who on the Spurs could beat out any of their five? And there's one guy. We have one guy. Okay. It would be one Spur and four OKC guys. If we were having a you pick uh, shirts and skins draft. I mean, you would take. I, that, I understand your point, but. They're that, deeper that, and better. That, that's fine. And that is not understandable or not, not, not understandable, but. Okay, so you run into 10 games against Thunder-quality teams, right? At a certain point, you've got to win one or two. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get your, your point, your philosophical point of you, you know, you're up against it. You're just outmatched. You're five against their five. You're one, you're only winning 20% of these battles. But at a 20? certain point, the, tw the 20 <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's a yeah, bit, hopefully, you know? right. <laughs> I mean, that's just math. I, I don't know. know you, oh. But it sounds awful. It didn't seem like you knew. <laughs> It seemed like you were a little bit. No, that's what the Spurs are doing. I mean, it's twenty percent. No, but, but yeah. But so, like, you you have to. It has to be enough one time. Like the the sheer just probability of it all is that at one time you'll fall it ass would be backwards enough. into one. At one time, yeah, like, you're gonna the team's so, gonna have an off night. You'll have a good one in any given time. I get what you're the, saying, but the, this the, is like, the, the NBA. mathematical probability of it being enough one time. Finally, at some point, randomly, 
like outweighs this. Like the, you're actually defying odds at this point to be this. It's it's statistically difficult to be this consistently bad, and that's that's where the Spurs are at. And it, but it's, they're not alone in this. Despite the, despite the fact that you have a generational player who's playing like a generational player, it's not like he's supposed to be this generational player, and he's not playing that way. You mentioned it. What what was the the stat you just pulled? You ripped off twenty ten and four. Twenty ten and four hadn't been done by a rookie since ninety seven with Tim. What? <laughs> Why I mean, aren't we winning? Why aren't we better? We're not so good what, enough. And what we do you just think had a Spurs scrub? record was through forty four games. Well, that, in I mean, standing with next to David Robinson, it was a whole lot better. I know, but what do you think it's, it was? Through I don't through, know, probably forty four games, games twenty twenty one games by then. Through forty games, they were twenty two, twenty three. I'm sorry, forty four. I don't know why I said forty. They were. Um, they'd won thirty games. Thirty games. They were thirty. Yeah. Different league, different time. But uh, and then there's another part of the scroll, though. That is Pop coaching differently because of Wimby. Absolutely, they're still not trying to win games. They're trying to get Wimby better. That's a big difference. They're still the the attempt to to win games is secondary to improving the the individual skill sets of the guys. Wimby first, but others second. They're the, the, the yeah. It's Pop is coaching very differently with Pop with, with Wimby out there. Because I think a lot of this is, he knows a lot of this team ain't going to be around long. All those draft picks, whether they're used or traded, are going to turn into other guys at some point. And we're the, going to go whole get thing guys just, to replace the guys we got. They know it. We know it. The the whole thing bucks. And this is all part of, I think this is this, these are natural reactions to, to reach a point of frustration. And then you calm down and you reach a point of understanding of the overall goal. But again, it bucks conventional wisdom. It bucks the idea of tanking. And I know that this is a conversation that has been had forever at this point. But so... Again, in a philosophical sort of setting, you tank, you get the great player, and then you you don't suck anymore, right? <laughs> like you get the great player. That's what it and used that's to. That's what that that's why you tanked. That, like name the team that tanks, gets the great player, and then says, "Well, we have to still suck to like help him not suck in the future." It was Philly, a couple of times. I mean, that's why you hate the process because it didn't work. It still hasn't worked, but I, I'll put it to you that the Spurs, when I see them against Oklahoma City, and I say they are. Three years ahead of where the Spurs are from the time they began their particular tanking. You know, the year after uh, the last vestiges of the big three were gone there, when Russell was gone and the trades were done. That year after Chris Paul took them to the playoffs, they, you know, Shea was coming up and uh, they became something different. So they're ahead of the Spurs. Now, when I look at the talent that is standing next to Wimby, it is so evident that they are so out-talented at every position every night that I have to question the group. And now is the time to consider not pop in the future because we got to know that the fuse is about to burn out, yeah. whether it's this year, next year, may, three years maybe, but it's almost over. But for the long-term sustaining of this roster, I'll put it to you today, it is the 25th of January. It is time to find another general manager. It is time to find another GM. I'm not saying that Wright has to leave, but I'm saying in the seat that he is sitting, he is not appropriate. The talent that he's had an opportunity to go get that he has missed from a Duran kid that we watched wipe the floor with our front front three or four the other night with Detroit that he passed on to other talent that he's and others that he brought in. There's a, a, a guy that's playing for the Clippers now that should have never, ever been a Spur, ever. And he brought him in. There's another guy he drafted that isn't even in the freaking league anymore. And he drafted him in front of Keldon, who fell into his lap. It is time for Brian Wright 
to move aside, whether it's fired or given another, because he's been a good soldier, but his acquisition in there. And I don't care who's been a part of it. I don't care if RCA played a role in it. It is time to find somebody to start stocking these shelves because it was so painfully apparent from 1 through 10 that Oklahoma City, though only a couple of years ahead of the Spurs, are so desperately deeper that that is the fundamental. You ask, is Pop coaching differently? Because he knows what's here ain't going to be here. And he knows what he's got does not measure up. Relative to recent history, his greatest accomplishment is winning the lottery. Is that fair to say? Yes. Uh, certainly. So, so, I mean, and this isn't a fair analogy, but is a, is, is a Wall Street trader elite at their craft because they won the actual lottery, not the NBA lottery? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you lock. If, it's if, luck. That you know, is my, luck. My point, that, that's my point, though. Like, if you're seeking financial advice and you, you have two Wall Street dudes to, to kind of choose from, and one guy's like, oh, I've been trading for whatever. I've mm-hmm. built, you know, I've I made my I've bones, got, you know, yeah. I, uh, I watched uh, The Big Short, you know, 16 mm-hmm. times. I know what I'm doing here. And the other guy's like, well, I, I want some scratch-offs. Right. So, <laughs> my daddy know, died I mean, left I, me some money, and I, well, boy, I, I put it into I real estate and made a killing. I do not mean to make it seem like that's all that's happened here. But you know what I'm saying? If the greatest accomplishment that's happened here in this new era is winning the lottery, is that really an accomplishment? Exactly. <laughs> At some like, point. Know? I, I know that you've been given a tough hand, but you right. did get Wimby. But you, yeah, by the time we you. got him, we thought that there would be guys already here ready to prop him up and help him. One of them yeah, is now been- coming off the bench, and one of them has a game stat sheet from night to night like an EKG. And one of them kept hanging brain in front of people and had to go leave. One of them ain't even in the league anymore. These guys that you went and got to in preparation for the hope, the dream, and we knew we were chasing Wimby four years ago. We knew it. We knew who he was. He was 16, and he was 7 feet tall, and we knew his home address. <laughs> this was a plan, and it didn't work out. They, we, The guest arrived, but the house wasn't ready. Ooh, that's always awkward. You're in real <laughs> trouble when and that happens. When I see Oklahoma City on rivalry week, when the NBA tells us these are the people we're telling you the rivalry, you're not even close. Your best guy outplayed him. Good news. It'll be enough reason for us to broadcast it again. But guess what? We're going to kick your ass every time you roll up here. I think the whole situation is sort of exemplified. And to be clear, my primary want and wish and concern is not Wimby winning Rookie of the Year. But that matters. That matters to me as a Spurs it fan. It does right? matter. Like, I, I, I really want that. Yes. We all really want that. And it, it bothers me greatly that... The overwhelming argument for Wemby, which is exi- which exists and is factual, is is completely objective, but that that is so drowned out by the lack of team success, mm-hmm. and 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 is is and and Chet, who is very clearly, you know, a separate league away from Wemby on an individual basis, has the team propping him up. That that bothers me greatly. That. You're you're almost hindering. You're not almost. You're actually hindering him. You're limiting his. I don't want to say uh, potential, but you're limiting what what he can be in an overall sense by by going about it this way. Let me. You know what? You put it so perfectly. Let me give you a classic example. 
if no. I was Wimby's guy, if I was his coach, his mentor, his you know guy on his shoulder, and I started the season as a rookie, and I looked at this starting five, and you told me that my kid, my guy, my the 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 guy that is going to change my future, my life, and my kids' future because I'm friends and part of Wimby's universe, <laughs> you are starting his career with Jeremy Sohan as his point guard. So you're telling me that the future is coming to you and you have a guy who can't even deliver the mail. There's you got a guy who isn't even going to be able to give him a bounce pass coming around a curl cuz he's doing something he's never done before. So you're telling me you're going to take care you better take damn care of him. You better sit him down and rest him because this season is a wash if my guy is the recipient of Jeremy Sohan at point guard. You're hamstringing him. He's already playing with one five-foot arm behind his back. That's what you're doing to the my future, not just the Spurs' future. You're wasting him. And for 20 I games, do. we watched him run around with a point guard who couldn't freaking find him for an alley-oop. He's 7'5". I think that there's cliche conventional wisdom that's like, well, you, it's a pro, like you said, it's, it's, you know, obviously Philly, it's a process. Like, the clock is ticking for all of us. That's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't have to be. Like, it doesn't, there's not one way to do this. Like, you don't have to do it the way that X team did or Y team did at this point in NBA history or whatever. Like, you have the resources. You have the abilities. We, we can rebuild. We have the technology. Like, you, you have everything at your disposal. You can fast track this like you want. You can trade for Trey Young right now. And, and, you know, to your point, all of a sudden, Wimby's life gets significantly different and significantly better because all of a sudden he's playing with somebody who can dish it to him in different ways that Jeremy just simply cannot. And I hate for Jeremy because, well, I, you know, no, what I hate for him, Jeremy too. No, that's, that's exactly what I'm about to say. I, I hate that. For him, what you just said is very fair, as unfortunate as it is. But now you're now you're just making everybody look bad. You know what I'm saying? Because it's obvious that Wemby's limited, and it's not Jeremy's fault that he's not Trey Young. You know what I mean? Or whoever the case may be. And so you're just you're you're hindering the overall product. You're creating dysfunction. That's a heavy word to use, but it is kind of dysfunctional at this point. You're creating dysfunction where it doesn't otherwise have to be. You don't have to wait till June to make a move. You don't. You can do it now. There's no rule against it. You can completely do it now. Like, just pick up the phone, send a text message, slide into a DM, do something, get Wemby some help, because this losing is, is we're way past the point where it's justifiable now. At 8 o'clock, we're going to talk about the Spurs again. And I, I think we have an answer for you. I think there is an available answer, or soon to be available answer, Ooh. that I've might got very the ingredients. well be the fit. Put the menu together. He's about to cook. The Chef mad, Rob. Yeah. Chef Rob R D in there, the building. There might be something in the cupboard. Uh we're going to talk about that at eight. But uh coming back, got a good question for you. As it appears we're going to have a brand new coaching quarterback tandem in the NFL that's going to be worthy of watch. Justin Herbert's finally got him a coach who understands the value and can use a quarterback of Herbert's ilk. Do you trust this new matchup more or less than the retread redo McCarthy Dak? What oh, do you expect God. from both? Wow. Let's you, talk you, about this because this you, is one of those. You're feeling yourself too much with this, these, <laughs> these Wemby takes. Oh, my gosh. This is one of those that I think when you look in the mirror and you tell yourself you the doing? truth, might ruin your day. We're going to talk about that next. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you're on, I might not. Rob and not. RJ, you're on uh, San Antonio Sports Star. That's 94.1 FM to you and me. Uh, yeah, as you uh, sit comfortably. Um, R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star.
Hey, good morning to you. He's RJ, I'm Rob. Uh, remind everybody to uh, go to essaysportstar.com. We've got some Willie Barcina tickets we're going to give away. We're going to do that in the 8 o'clock hour, about 8.30. Uh, he's coming to the Aztec. A funny guy. He will be uh, here on February the 2nd next week. So be here in an hour. Don't leave, RJ. I'm not going anywhere. So, Harbaugh is the head coach of the... When, when you think Jim Harbaugh, and what's the thing that comes to mind? Do you think offensive guru? you think defensive mind? You, what, what do you think when, when his style... I mean, we have to only San Francisco to base ourselves on and in the pro game. What, 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 what immediately hits you? Attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there are cockroach teams that just don't die. I mean, that just find a way and... That's a real sports cliche type of thing to say, but it's it's true. I mean, I I don't think of any. I mean, those de- people remember Colin Kaepernick, obviously, and I don't think Jim Harbaugh has ever gotten enough credit for the gutsiness of that decision. Uh, to properly rewind here, Jim Harbaugh's first season in San Francisco was 2011, and his first loss was to Tony Romo in the Punction Lung game. <laughs> That's right. So uh, everybody is is fully aware. Uh, all the rib stuff and lung yeah. stuff. It was just crazy chaos. That was the Jesse Holly game. But um, they went to the NFC Championship game, and he revived Alex Smith's career. Uh, everybody thought that Alex was a loser and just mm-hmm. kind of an awful you know, draft pick, et cetera, et cetera. And they lost the NFC title game to the Giants. And a year later, Alex Smith, I think it was a concussion that he was dealing with in the middle of the season, and he decided to turn to the second-round pick You know, of, what was it, that second-year, second-round pick at that point, and Colin Kaepernick. And just, I mean, change the game. This was ele- this this was eleven years ago now, and so maybe the younger audience doesn't remember. They were unstoppable. Yeah, like that was an unstoppable offense. The this, this was right around when Cam Newton was kind of taking over the NFL. Uh, this happened in parallel with RG 3s rookie season, the read option, the RPO stuff. Kaepernick was incredible. I mean, just truly, truly, truly. But my point is, like the guts to to leave Alex Smith on the bench, the dude mm-hmm. who you had revived. The dude who you know had won all these games for you, and to go with Colin Kaepernick, and they were amazing. Can, they, they, can we say that he's won despite the quarterbacks he's had? Because Alex Smith was Joe Average, the Mendoza line of starting quarterbacks for a long time with Kansas uh, City. Uh, not bad, back. not 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 Alex horrible. Really turned a corner. He, he did. Really, he was a top twelve so, quarterback. Yeah, he. I mean, but he was just average. He wasn't going to screw things up. You know, he was the, the prototypical game manager. That was his game. That's what he was in Kansas City, and Harbaugh got him. He did the same thing with him. To put Kaepernick in, and remember, Kaepernick was an, uh, I don't want, he had a skill set unlike anybody else in the NFL. He wasn't a, a, a cannon arm, accurate needle threader. That wasn't his game, but he was a mobile dude that made plays a lot of different ways. And Harbaugh, you know, capitalized on that. But I don't think of him, we're talking about two different quarterbacks, successful two different ways, yet I don't really think of Harbaugh as a quarterback guy. You know, like, he's the whisperer, he's the guy, like Andy Reid, he goes someplace with a quarterback, and the quarterback and he go places. That's not Harbaugh's style. No, but, I mean, he had two great quarterbacks. I mean, I don't want to overlook no, that. No, what I'm saying is, is d- did he make them great or make them capable, or were they already capable and he just built a team around their capabilities? I, I mean, he... Because it's two Alex different Smith styles. Was, Alex Smith was awful before... Jim. I mean, Jim 
got the best out of Alex, and then mm-hmm. and then he went he to Kansas City and, and hooked up with Andy Reid and was still yeah. serviceable. But and Colin Kaepernick never really had the same success after Jim Harbaugh, no. and so like the common denominator between them in terms of you know starting up prominently in the NFL is Jim, and it's but it's not just the quarterbacks. I mean, not like. Justin Herbert is easily the most talented quarterback that Jim Harbaugh will have ever worked with in the NFL. By far. But, but so how do you expect but, him to be used? Is where I'm getting. Is it going to be? I think they're going to be a lot tougher. I mean, I, I, I don't know that Austin Eckler will be back. I don't see him as their back. No, he's not a, a guy that's a hardball back to me. Their defense will be a lot. Like That's the other thing. I mean, their quarterback situation was interesting, but it was really successful. They had Frank Gore to kind of pound the rock mm-hmm. and move on and on. They had Capable. They had Michael Crabtree early on. They had Vernon Davis. But that defense, those San Francisco defenses at that time were just otherworldly, and that's why those games against Seattle were so great in the back-to-back title games they played in. But um, So yeah, I, we, we talked about coming in. Who do you trust more? Um, this is this is the worst question you've ever come up with. This is silly, ridiculous, and I, I stole it as all. But seriously, you know, we do have an MVP candidate, Miles thrown very few interceptions. If we're just talking about output, I, I I obviously go with the experience. I go with what I know. I don't see any reason for Dak to drop off as far as numbers go. You want to talk about trust? They, they're going to win the same number of games. Yeah, I so trust. you trust you I trust, trust McCarthy. McCarthy and Dak Prescott more than you trust Jim why Harbaugh. Wouldn't, why Justin would you Herbert? trust Harbaugh and Herbert? Why? I have no. I mean, that I answer, know both of them individually had some a modicum of success, but neither. The answer is that Justin Herbert has shown immense talent in the NFL, and that Jim Harbaugh has gotten has only succeeded in the NFL. I mean, so you know, this is like you're, I got peanut butter on one bread, I got jelly on the other. How do I trust that the sandwich is going to be good? I mean, that's the question you're asking, and so. Right, it's it's logical to conclude, but now the negative side of that is, well, you got to go up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Um, you know who it really sucks to be today, Sean Payton. Yes, Sean Payton. Sean Payton's like, man, I, got, I jump, I jump back at you too early. Like now, I got to. It's colder here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I have to pretend that I enjoy the like the outdoor activities of living in Denver. I don't like hiking. I, you know, I don't, I don't like you know kayaking and all this stuff. I would much rather be in Los Angeles. I would much rather be you know. Sunny SoCal, I would much rather be working with Justin Herbert. This was the job he wanted so badly, and he completely and totally miscalculated. You really do hate to see it. And he, you know, he's got a quarterback that he's kicking out the door, where he would have had his yeah. dream quarterback there. You wonder, um, as, you, as we talk about Peyton making a decision a year too early, Harbaugh looked like he'd been aiming for the Chargers. That This was something Dude, that was coming. This, this worked out so well for him. Yeah. I mean, he wanted the Minnesota job two years ago when he went to Kevin O'Connell. Would you rather have that job right now or the Chargers job? The same reasons you were talking about. It's sunny. I'm in L.A. No, No, I'd rather have the Chargers. It also worked out for him in that he stayed at Michigan then because he got to to win the national championship, right? That wouldn't have happened if he left two years ago. But I do want to break down the question you asked, which you didn't audibly ask, but was who do you trust more, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott or Jim Mm -hmm. Harbaugh and Justin Herbert? We have a new team. The Rob Bandits Uh are our team. Okay. Congratulations. Team owner, president, general manager. Those are the roles that you serve. Um, also, sanitation. Um, who would you rather be your head coach? Mike McCarthy or Jim Harbaugh? Hmm. For the bandits. These are the Rob bandits, baby. New coach? It's Jim Harbaugh. I'd rather have Jim Harbaugh. I'm, I, that's the answer. You know, I'm not going to. I think I'd go with McCarthy. I think you're wrong. Well, I mean, for a, a lot of for reasons. The bandits that you made this decision. 
I because Jim Harbaugh. I'll, I'll tell I you. Now, Andrews. if you're asking me at the Jim Harbaugh 10 years ago versus the Mike McCarthy 10 years ago, I don't know. But right now, given the NFL, given what I know, this is not the same league for Harbaugh. There's some things he's going to have to deal with that he didn't have to deal with before. Um, and there's, and I know McCarthy has a lot of failings, but I know this. The moment McCarthy leaves the Cowboys, somebody's going to hire him within, within a week. We That's see. That's so not true. Oh, it is not. It is true. It, he'll get no a way. job fast. He no will. Way. The guy has a winning record in the NFL, and just for the numbers, if I got a quarterback that's halfway, he will take me someplace. He will. Now, there's other things that I would want to put around him, but right now I'm not happy about the decision that I would make because I'm not – I, I just don't know about so long term with Harbaugh. Your own decision making. How are the bandit fans feeling that not even but the team I would owner, take president, the and general known, manager believes in the decision he's making? Right now, if you told me it's just those two, I'd take Harbaugh. I'd take McCarthy because he's got, for me, okay. a little bit more of a track record into what I'm doing currently. We have established a championship program. It's just not the world and, championship. Yeah, we're yet. just a. You know, we're just a couple of uh, big games away from being nearly a championship team that I've already you know, got the trophy. I just Super haven't Bowl, gotten in great. We would yet. have a Super Bowl. That's really how I feel about this. But so I would take obviously Jim Harbaugh over Mike McCarthy. But I would take Dak Prescott over Justin Herbert. I know that Joe Reinagle just lost it wherever he is. But like I know, I know that Joe doesn't want to atone for his super incorrect opinion at the San Antonio Sports Star, you know, house in Oxnard. That's fine, Joe. If you want to keep hiding under a rock, but. I would much rather have Dak Prescott than Justin Herbert. Well, if you like Dak Prescott, he might very well be here a while. What are you going to think if they go ahead and extend that quarterback and you get to see some Dakness for the next five years? Let's talk about the possibility coming up. This is Robin RJ. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Let's go. Hi, it's James Dominic. You're listening to the Home of the Cowboys, 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning to you. Go watch us live. SASportsStar.com. So we've talked a lot about the week that uh, kept Mike McCarthy and the questions that soon to follow. Um, Dak Prescott, we've known for years, is due an extension and a big one. A lot of money coming. Um, But uh, after what happened, uh, after one game, the last game, it doesn't look like that this marriage is last and going to last a long time. Certainly not as long as we'd hoped. Or we might need some therapy. Uh, what what if uh, we were to awake tomorrow and see that the first step in the Dallas Cowboys' future was to include Dak in it by giving him a long term extension, which would provide salary cap relief for them to go get some guys, but it would also tie them to a guy that most of us think needs to be someplace else. I don't think that to be clear. I think that the timelines involved are delicate and are now at a place where you have to start asking these questions. Um, talked about that in a video up on the blog on the boys YouTube channel, but I know mm-hmm. we've been talking about it all week, but I don't, you're just, at, you're, you're so deep into this that it would be somewhat irresponsible to give Dak a long-term extension now enforce whoever your head coach is if it's not mike mccarthy in 2025 that involves that hypothetical into accepting that i mean it's really you know some we we live in a world where sometimes you have to sell the head coach on your situation the chargers Mm -hmm. were the most desirable destination of all open availabilities this offseason because they have justin herbert and in a similar sense you know that's why the the denver job was not appealing last year that's i I don't want to speak for d'amico ryan's but i imagine that's why d'amico was like 
I could either go to Denver and work with Russell Wilson or and go to Houston and, and choose my own adventure. And it worked out, right? Like, you know, and so I'm not saying that Dak will be regarded the way Russell Wilson was last year, this time next year, but that possibility exists. And so you you almost have to maintain flexibility to keep yourself viable from a suitor's perspective if you are in the head coach market a year from now. Yeah. Uh, and an, ex- an, ex- an extension inhibits all that. An extension destroys that. An extension means you're going to ask someone – Rob Thompson, a moment ago you were the owner of your, your own NFL team, so I'm, I'm shifting gears. You're now the new hot coach on the market. Everybody wants prime Rob. Yeah, Everybody's blowing you up. Yeah, obviously. It's my new scheme. And Exactly. You, you're cooking with gas here. I mean, mm-hmm. you are just in demand. It's called the mouse in the house. It's a crazy offense. Are you... <laughs> are you... <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, are you going to want to sign up for a quarterback entering year 10? No, but there is some comfort in knowing exactly what I've got. Kind of like when you asked me, would you re-sign McCarthy? Well, if I brought McCarthy back, I would know what I got. And I know what I got in Dak Prescott. And it's funny, we're, the, the comparisons I think are perfect to the guy that we were just talking about with Harbaugh in his first go-around. And that's Alex Smith. This is just oh. Dak Prescott is the modern so version depressing. of Alex Smith. I mean, there's it, a reason why Andy Reid took it's him. It's not properly reflective, but it's it's not the worst analogy I've ever heard. It's, but it, it's, I still think it's. And not I fair don't. I didn't hate Alex Smith then, and I don't hate Alex Smith now. Now Dak, I think, has made bigger mistakes, but he's probably had a oh couple of bigger wins. Gracious. So I think things balance out, and that's who he is. Whoa. And if I know that's the, who he is, out of here with this mouse in the house. Crap, but he goodness. might actually fit my mouse in the house offense. I, no, no I, I think if, if I was to find out today that if it was announced that the Cowboys had extended Dak and made him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, you know what I would to be do? clear. That's what it would take yes. to extend him. That's what it would take. And the history, history of the league, NFL history. I would, right. as Cowboy fan, would go. Of course he did. And I wouldn't be mad. Well, no, I'd be mad. I would also know that next year we're going to win some football games because he's that Isn't good. It, but we ain't. I'm done. I it, know that the it we're staying to the together for the sake of the kids. That, that, that the season ended with. We're talking about the second team All Pro. I know, right? Like that. That's objectively true. We're talking about the second team All Pro. But the end of the season was such a disaster. That it broke every. That's amazing. Like, forget your fandom or allegiance or whatever. Like, that is an amazing phenomenon. The the amount of good that they just threw away. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, RJ, it's, though, it's incredible. Guys my age, guys of my age, you're not there yet. In about 15 years, most of your cohorts that are your age, about 50% of them, about half of them, are going to get divorced. And you're going to be surprised by about half of the divorces. They're going to go, what? They're leaving? They're getting divorced? I I didn't see anything. And the, a lot of it is there was nothing to see. That they, you know, a lot of these marriages after the kids and after the honeymoon period just become roommates. And it's just over. It's just, oh, I don't dislike you, Dak, but we're just roommates now. We're just, wow. we see each other in passing. There's no uh, spark. Wow. So if you were to leave tomorrow, I'll miss you, but not for long. Because somebody will enlighten me a little bit. Light the fire in my loins, as it were. We'll break on that. (laughs) 
Charles Leclerc got an extension with Ferrari. That lucky Yay. little so-and-so. This is R&R in the morning. Man in motion, handoff, Pollard coming right. Bang, zoom, touchdown, Cowboys. Wembenyama about three feet behind the line, got it. It's R&R in the morning with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa. Good morning. Good morning to you. It's Rob and R.J. here on San Antonio's Sports Star. We just had, I had a massive collapse here in the studio, RJ, just now. My, uh, one of my monitors just fell over to the side. It was, I'm glad that it wasn't the camera that's on me right now because it was a, an avalanche of biblical. You want to see something like, you want to see what infinity looks like? This is infinity. Just over and over and over. Take that with you on your, uh, downloads. That's pretty crazy, right? That's my video effect um, for the day. But you my, made it through that? I did. I survived. I, I wonder the who will play you in the continuum. movie. Well, you know, I, we got a minute. You, you got a minute? You busy? <laughs> I we mean, air I, our grievances I, normally I, at, at 9.30. But, uh, no, this don't spoil the grievance. No, no I'm not. Uh, this isn't a grievance. We'll, we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, yeah, my uh, monitor collapsed, so forgive me if I'm uh, fixing things. Um, we, we talk Spurs at the top of the hour. We, we podcast things. We send it about. That's what we do around here. And when the, when the last to the YouTube we, channel, pay the like tax. Please. When last we saw our San Antonio Spurs, they were competing against the Oklahoma City Thunders last night at home at the beginning of a seven-game homestand. What's that? Competing? Competing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they were. There was a contest. It was organized. There were referees and rules, and there was an outcome. They they were there. Uh, they lost one forty to. Uh, 114. They gave up 77 points in the second half. They allowed Oklahoma City to score 140 points. That's a season high. 140 points. They were competitive for about a quarter and a half. At least it was even. And then late in the first and into the second, a 15 point spread, and there it went. Um, and it, at that point, it became Will Wimby just outplay Chet? That's all that, as a Spurs fan, that's all I cared about for the rest of the night because I felt like. Beginning of the third, there was no charge. There was no let-up. Uh, OKC went deeper into their bench. Their superstar Shade Gilgis became. Jalen Williams, who has been a revelation, uh, continued to dominate. And they just punched the Spurs around like a bunch of under-talented young kids. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. And it struck me that no matter what we do, no matter how good Wimby is, he ain't Tim. But he's in a terrible situation. This is not Tim's situation. He's got very little help. There's not a lot does there. Any, does he have any help? Like not not well, very that's little. Just it. Shouldn't he have any. help? Shouldn't there be help here already? Haven't we already been drafting in the top 10, 12 for the last several years? Haven't we already had some money to spend? And all we could come up with to uh, to prepare for a Wimby was Zach Collins. Uh, Charles Bassey off of the G League. We got lucky. He's not bad, but this is, this is the prep. We drafted two point guards a couple years ago. We still can't figure out which one we like. The guy that's been hurt more seems to be the favorite today and Blake Wesley, but Malachi's had his moments, but neither one of them. We don't miss the other when the other, when they're gone. I can tell you that. I see Derek Champagny running around. I, see, I mean, Champagny, not Derek. I see Derek Barlow running around. But man for man, talent for talent, against a team that's just a little bit ahead of the Spurs, RJ, in prep time and rebuild. I see their picks, granted, higher, 
Not a lot higher, but higher. And I see our picks, and their picks are better. Their guys are better. They're better. They might not have bigger names, but they're better. There are five teams in the NBA who have allowed 140 points in a game at least four times this season. <laughs> mentioned. Who do you think the other four are? Obviously the Spurs. Obviously the Spurs. Um, the other four, I, I would put out there Detroit and Charlotte. That's one. Who are the other? Oh, the no, Pacers have given up a bunch of buckets. Are Pacers in you've there? Got, you've got two. You're missing. Charlotte's not one. I'll give you. That's your one mulligan. So you've no got Detroit. two of the other four. Okay. You've got, so, you got the Pacers and, and the Pistons. There's Milwaukee's been giving up buckets by the by the gallon, but maybe not. You them. locking that in? Yeah, I'll, I'll, look, I'll lock that. I mean, I, I, they got a coach fired for the lack of defense, not them. Uh, bottom yes. five. Where's Where's Sacramento lately? Sacramento. Mike Brown's a defensive guy. That, that was not that allowed. Didn't that didn't count. Sacramento no. hasn't allowed 140 points once. Yeah, Mike oh, I'm Brown's sorry. A they, they've done it guy. twice. They, they've oh, done they it have. twice. But but we're talking teams that have allowed 140 points at least four times. Gosh, that's a lot of buckets. Um, Houston. No. Let's see. I'm running out of young teams. Oh, so t- give me the old teams that are getting roped. Well, these are just the five. Um, oh. So the Pistons, Spurs, and Jazz have all allowed 140 points at least four times, um, or four times exactly. Now, the Jazz have actually won one of those games, mm-hmm. which the Spurs and Pistons have not. The Pacers have allowed a buck 40 on five occasions. They have won one of those games. But one team has allowed a buck 40 seven times this season. Shout out, of course, to Monica Geller. They just moved on from their head coach this morning, and that would be the Washington Wizards. The Wizards have released, freed their head coach, <laughs> the Austins that was. Yeah, I mean, you, you can define that how you want. I mean, but uh, because the, yeah. you know why? Because the Spurs beat them. Spurs went into mm. Washington and beat them. They you got the coach fired. Congratulations. Sometimes it's good to be the underdog. Sometimes it's good to show up and get a coach fired. I hadn't heard that they had let him go. No surprise. The by the way, uh, Rob, we did not mention in the seven o'clock hour, and that is really on us. Do you know how many assists the Spurs had? Oh, I, I do. Team? They did maintain the streak. They did. What yep. we got? 28, I think. 30 assists. 30 assists. 102 consecutive games with 20 or more assists. The, Yet again. It, magic numbers 18 to tie the 80s Lakers. Yet again. Magic numbers 18. A useless stat. <laughs> yeah. 100 and. 102 consecutive games. I wonder how many of those we've won in the last 102. Only one team has. I can. I can find that. Well, I mean, the math is. I mean, so if we want to prove how useless some stats can be, as we chase the greatness that is 20 assists in 119 consecutive games, and we've got 102 under our belt, I believe is the chase. I'll tell you this: what struck me yesterday, and watching Wimby and Chet go at it, and you know, it's rivalry week. That's so hard for me to say in the in the NBA, and this was what. But the NBA is telling its fans, not just in San Antonio and Oklahoma City, but the rest of the world, that this is the rivalry you should be paying attention to because of the 15-foot of center. And Oklahoma City as a team is so much further down the road, even though they didn't start that much ahead of us. They've been on the downfall just about as long as we have. We They had to say goodbye to Russell and James Harden and Kevin Durant and had to deal with all the ramifications of such and brought in a lot of draft picks and have used them appropriately. Sam Presti has done his job. Has Brian Wright? You know, I, I blamed Brian Wright for the drafting of Luka Samanich, and I shouldn't have. that. Well, that stinks not on him. That's on RC. That stinks on RC, not Brian. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. 
Now, there's some other problems, but that brain trust is still around, even though RC's got a different office. I, I tell you this. If we're going to be where we need to be, the current situation in the front office is going to be very different. We know the head coach is going to be gone, however that goes. I don't like where the team is headed talent-wise. I don't. We just don't stack up, and we've had plenty of opportunity. And it's not just against Oklahoma City. Look at Houston. Look at Detroit, for that matter. They, I'd say they got more talent man for man than the Spurs do. They're young. I think they got to so, look elsewhere. I know where the answer is, RJ, and I know this is – I watched a press conference yesterday, and I feel bad about even bringing the man's name up, considering the situation that he finds himself and his team in, because the loss of a coach is, is as difficult a thing as you can bear during the regular season. But as I see Steve Kerr play out his sting, I see him not. I see him as the next coming of Jerry West. I would I would spend any amount of money to go get a Steve Kerr and let him come in, give him the corner office and let him be the next RC for the next 20 years. He's been here. He knows the climate. He knows the family. He knows the ownership. He understands bid markets. He has watched Golden State go from nothing to the biggest franchise in the world. They're huge in Asia. They have a brand-new stadium with three levels of suites. They are ahead of the game. He learned from the very best, who now is an ESPN. uh, No, no. Now he's a consultant with the Commanders. Bringing in talent in the football world. That's who Steve Kerr has been working for. I spend any amount of money. Don't let him land in Phoenix. Don't let him land anywhere else. Make him a spur for life and don't make him coach. Let him be Jerry West. Let him build the dynasty that RC did. I think the plans are, everything's in place. We got the lumber. We got, we, we got the thing. We got Wimby. We got the next. We got the fandom. You know the zip code. You know the area code. You know the streets, Steve. I think at this moment in time, if we're talking about prep, forget the team. Go get the guy and let him decide. I bet there's so, a lot, not a lot of Spurs would be around. First off, Spurs have won 24 of these 102 games. Oh, That's man. <laughs> no, that was like their three-point percentage. Right about 25%. Yeah. Nice. Um, but I don't, I, I agree with you. I think that that role is lacking. You we're on the precipice of the Spurs having to become a more, I wouldn't even say a more, an actual modern NBA mm-hmm. team, right? Where, where you need multiple voices, right? Where, you know, it's not just one judge, jury, and executioner. And I don't, I don't say that to intimate that that has been a bad thing. It obviously hasn't, you know, with pop, but, um, you're going to need somebody and somebody to your point who's been there, who's done that. The fact that he has experience in San Antonio specifically is obviously a big plus. Um, and you finally, for the first time in a very long time, have the thing. You, you have, you have the, the, the ticket a to wave in to front of anybody. A yeah, reason you, to be here. You want, you, you want to jump on the bandwagon? Come on. I mean, we're, we're still a little bit lost at sea, but when we get on, on, on the soil once again, this is a completely and totally different sort of conversation. Plus, I mean, if you look at the landscape of, of the West, I mean, like, this. I don't mean this question the way it sounds, but who has a brighter future than the Spurs? That's Because it's not. It's There's a lot of answers. There's three or four teams that are, right. have a trajectory to hang, either stay where they are or to uh, continue to improve. But, that, I think but you're the, looking the, at the five teams. As yes. we, the landscape as we've known it to be, certainly where Steve Kerr is currently at, um, obviously in Los Angeles, although that – you know, remains an ever-changing kind of ecosystem. But, you know, you've got Phoenix, who's going to be around. 
You've got Oklahoma City who presents to be an issue. Um, I'm anybody else you want to? Well, RJ, actually, I'm not even looking at the Lakers, and I'm not even looking at Phoenix. I, I, those are the teams that are good now, but by the time the Spurs are where we think we're going to be with Wimby, those teams are going to be long gone. Okay, Kevin so Durant's okay, going to be gone. LeBron's going to be gone. James Harden and Russell and all of them are going to be gone from the Clippers. Yeah, so They're going to be in their the, process. The, the, a generation's going to fully age out by yes, the time, by the time we're ready. ready to take over. So, okay, so I'm looking at okay, New Orleans. So I'm looking at Oklahoma City. I'm looking at Minnesota. Those are the teams i got to look at, and, go, and, and to some extent, maybe the Jazz. Those are the teams that I look at in the next three to four years, and the Rockets too for to some extent maybe not as much as i thought before but still there those are the teams that they need to be aiming at it ain't it ain't the clippers it ain't the lakers uh okay so it ain't the suns even though right now they're in it and denver i think has about a, a year and a half to two years oh another two years of a, of a run here but aaron gordon's about to age out uh Jokic, i never know about what his plans are so i think there's some change coming and they're in the right place and so what i'm saying is make your decision now for what's going to apply in three years i don't want pop to leave i I want him to stay as long as possible but i have to understand a transition is coming and nobody in the world do i trust more outside of our gates than steve kerr there's nobody else the most advantageous opportunity of the teams you named with the draft picks with the money and with Wimby, on paper, yes. Now there's uh, there's arguments. I mean, this is still Milwaukee with sunshine. This is still a, a town that most of these players don't want to spend a lot of time in. They don't want to live here. They have the benefit of no taxes, and once those that get here, normally most stay, a lot of stay. But the it's not the easiest place to convince people to come. But now that you have that anchor in Wimby. He becomes the guy that gets, like Tim, got Mark, Marcus here. I mean, he becomes the guy that yeah, helps to that get the one, others. One That was one time. You know and, what I mean? And yet another <laughs> reason why if I'm Steve Kerr, and I am just worn out from coaching, I am sick of dealing with Draymond. I'm sick of dealing with the porcelain Clay Thompson. I'm just sick of it all. And then I lost a good friend to a heart attack in the situation. I got to get out of Oakland and San Francisco. Come on home, Steve. Don't go to Phoenix. Don't go there. Pay him whatever he's worth. Use some of that Austin money and go get a guy who will set this franchise up for decades. A guy, it's not about coaches now. Jerry West has outlived a lot of dudes over the years, but everywhere he has been, that team got better because the guy understood everything about the game because he played and starred like Steve did. He, he GM'd and learned from the very best like he did and, and adapted every generation. I, I can't think of a better opportunity for a guy who's played out his string. It go, sounds great go on get paper. Him. Go get him. It's time. It sounds you you've sold me. I'm I'm not opposed to it. I just I'm not I'm not ready to believe. You know what I mean? Like I'm 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 a little bit jaded right now and maybe I'm just pissed off because of all the losing and I'm frustrated and I'm growing more and more impatient, but I'm re- I'm ready for something to change. I'm ready for for there to be a, a I don't need a dramatic change, but it can't just be more of this. It can't just be getting blown out by the Thunder. It can't just be getting blown out by Philly. Like you got to have something that we can hang our hat on right now. You got to give give me a piece of meat. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm 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 not. I don't even need a meat. I'm but I've sat. I've been waiting here at, at this restaurant for 
30 minutes now, and I was very hungry when I walked in the door. It's been so long that I've actually, no, I'm no longer hungry. Like, the hunger has now dissipated, and I'm angry that the food hasn't arrived yet. I ordered the chips and salsa, the calamari. I need some sort of appetizer, something to put in my belly, and I don't have anything. You haven't even brought, you get, you brought the initial bread, and then and we kind of picked it, it up, but we, but, but we wanted to save it. We didn't want to eat the bread because we were, we were told the appetizers here were great. And so you haven't refilled my drink. You haven't done anything. I'm just here. I'm frustrated. I, I don't have anything in my belly. I need something going on. It's cold. I didn't bring a jacket because I didn't know it was going to be cold. So I'm just incredibly uncomfortable. Jesse De La Rosa is too. And I, the reason I bring this up right now, Jesse, he's on the chat. Uh, he says if a change in the front office and the coaching bench happens, it needs to happen soon because Wimby is on a rookie contract and I have him re-sign on the idea of another rebuild will be difficult. Uh, yes, yes, yes. That's you why never, I bring it up now. The, the the enemy of action is the idea of we have time. No, you never have time. You're like enough. Like you got to move. You got to move. You got to move. You cannot just burn a year. Speaking of activity over inactivity, the inertia thing. Things in motion tend to stay that way. An inertia shout out. Look at you. I'm curious. There seemed to be some inertia for Belichick to land in Atlanta. It was the first name mentioned. It was the first interview I had heard. Why is it so quiet there? Why haven't why hasn't this happened, especially after Harbaugh's signed? Were they chasing Harbaugh? Is there somebody else out there? Would the Falcons be crazy to have changed directions and go after somebody like a Bobby Slowick? Let's talk about the coaching carousel as the Eagles have found a DC, a name that we're all very familiar with. You want to talk about a retread? There's a dude we know landing in Philly. The carousel turns and we're talking about it. Who's going to live where in the NFL? That's next. And we're giving away uh, some tickets to go see a very funny comedian. Hold on tight. It's just around a corner. This is Robin RJ, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Talk. It's Robin RJ. What you doing, RJ? I'm um, texting you. Oh. Telling you how beautiful you look. I'm having technical issues over here, so forgive me if we... After the biblical and epic collapse, you like Bobby Slowick? Um, sure. You know, I mean, do you, I should I should say, did you like the Texans' offense? Yeah, I mean, I think that we sometimes. I'm. This is not an indictment of Bobby Slowick, but I think we sometimes say like, "Oh, who was really good? Who had a right. really good quarterback? the The coordinator must be amazing." Um, you know. I, I certainly think there's reason to believe in Bobby Slowick. I, mm -hmm. I think he's deserving of being a head coach in the NFL. But at this point, you know, opportunities are drying up a little bit. And I don't know that I would rather have Bobby Slowick than other alternatives yeah, at this particular point. We wonder what's going on in Atlanta. And, you know, Atlanta's it's not like that's been a, a perfectly run franchise and they make great decisions every time. But there has been some talent come through the coaching staffs. I mean, the guy, Blank, does have an eye for some things. Um and Belichick is still thinking. I think Belichick's asking for the world, and I think Blank's just curious if you know, mulling over whether he can get it all. That is so stupid to not give him the world. I, I, mean, I agree. I mean, why would you not? But I do think you know, billionaires are billionaires for a reason. They do it their way. Um, this ain't Home Depot, Arthur. Very true. <laughs> but I will say this: if I'm the Houston Texans and I've got C.J. Stroud, and I look around the the landscape of the NFL now and over the last. 20 years, 30 years, four, I don't know. 
that I know that there is one constant. If when young quarterbacks lose their after their first year of success, when they lose their OC, they are never it, it knocks them off kilter. Sometimes they stay on track and continue to get good. I mean, there's still guys that have maintained. Josh Allen's lost a OC or two, and looks like Burrow might lose his. And I don't expect lost one, and and he thrived. So it it is possible. But then there's the scrap heap of second year, third year quarterbacks who lost their initial OC, who never recovered ever. You just Baker Mayfield is a a cautionary tale. He's still he's still around despite. But man, oh man, I'm telling you, the biggest investment the Texans can make this off season ain't in players. It's in keeping Slowick around for at least another year. Make him, give him whatever it takes. First parking spot in, in front of Ryan's. Uh, give him a title. Give him a raise. Whatever it takes to keep him in the house for another year. One, I, we're only asking for a year. Long term would be better. Then we're talking imminent Super Bowl because this relationship works. But uh, you will stunt his growth the moment that Slowick walks out. Whether he is a great coordinator or just a whisperer that C.J. Stroud can hear, it is a it is a coach that they cannot afford to lose. It works out really well for the Texans that they have the young hotshot offensive coordinator. It works out specifically that he is a he's a branch of the Kyle Shanahan tree. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, these these you know these coaches, these play callers tend to tend to do all right for themselves. So. In the aftermath of the Jim Harbaugh domino following, or following, not following, what will follow the falling of the domino, the following of the falling. The following um, um There are four head coaching positions left. Whether or not Bobby Slowick gets one of them remains to be seen. The teams with openings still, Rob Thompson, the Washington Commanders, mm-hmm. the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, uh, Adam Schefter reported bright and early when you and I were already settled in, you know, on this ride, that Dan Quinn was having his second interview with Seattle today. It feels imminent, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't think so, dude. I mean, that's that's just my two cents. Yeah. I hope so. I, I'm. I hope so. If, if Seattle, if uh, you're listening because you are subscribed to the San Antonio Sports Star YouTube channel, which everybody should be, if you have paid the like tax by liking the video, which everybody should have done. Um, then just know that I think the world of Dan Quinn, and I think you should absolutely hire him to be your head coach. And I'm not saying this because I want the Dallas Cowboys to move on and find somebody else a different voice in an effort to potentially, you know, put an end to the drought that has plagued them for 28 years, something that I think Dan Quinn has a, a heavy hand in as of late. But you know what, Seattle, do your thing. Please hire him. That being said, there are four openings left. We presume that Bill Belichick is going to get one of them. Presume, it would be very yes. strange it would be very strange if we went this entire coaching cycle on Bill Belichick did not get a single one. So we presume that Bill Belichick's going to get one. Right now, it makes the most sense that it would be Atlanta. Although, it'd be fascinating to see if Atlanta went a different direction. Like, does Bill go like, okay, Carolina, I'll, <laughs> I'll interview with you. Maybe. You know, Bryce Young stinks, but okay. You, you joke phones. at this? It is kind of silly to think about it. But Tepper's got Tepper's the kind of guy that would go get a Belichick. Now, I'm not sure if Belichick would want to work for a Tepper. But Tepper's one of those owners that's, you know, he doesn't think anything in this franchise is going right. He's the guy who walks so in the door. If Atlanta overthought this and was like, let's just get the the whoever else because we're better than Bill Belichick. Right. And then and then David Tepper threw all the money in the world at Bill and he wound up kicking their ass. But So we presume Bill's getting one of these jobs. 
I think we presume Ben Johnson's getting one of these jobs, probably the Washington job. So that leaves two. And we haven't heard anything about Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel seemingly is going to get one of these jobs. So it kind of comes down to let's let's presume he gets the third, right? And the the where this is ultimately matters a lot, obviously. But we're back to the Rob Bandits. You're the Rob Bandits. Would you rather have Dan Quinn or Bobby Slowick? And what team are we talking about? The Rob Bandits. But the in Rob case, Bandits. We'll, in, in the modern case, we'll game, call. what what's my draft pick? Am I starting a new team? Do I have a quarterback? I guess in this case, we'll we'll say it's probably the Carolina Panthers. I got a quarterback. I, I think I think if so my my personal guess, if I'm connecting the dots, this is I'm four years old and I'm drawing the dots to connect two different exercises, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm putting Bill Belichick in Atlanta. I'm putting Ben Johnson in Washington. So at least Carolina and Seattle. I'm putting Mike Vrabel in Seattle. There's That's no a way good Mike fit, Vrabel's right. It not, feels good. Yeah. There's, there's no way he's not getting a job. So you're Carolina at this point in time. You're David Tepper. You got all the money in the Quinn. world over Bobby Slowick. Yeah. I don't think so. You got to fix Bryce Young. That's you, oh no, I'm not saying that. I don't go find myself somebody I trust. But the bit, the fastest way for me to get better in Carolina is to improve my defense. The fastest way for me to sell some tickets and win eight games is to improve my defense. I completely. I've already got a quarterback uh, in place. Way, the fastest way you don't have the quarterback in place. Everybody yeah, thinks think your quarterback so. stinks. Well, I he mean, was, I, I got to give it a shot. I'm getting hired because they're telling me to give him a shot. So I got a quarterback for the next three years, and I got to find a fix there. But the first thing I got to do is to get him in a situation where he's not down by 21 points every time he walks on the field, where all he can do is drop back and try to heave it to save a game. I got to shore up the defense, and I know one thing: Dan Quinn might not be the long-term fix, but short-term, I'll let him go get some guys, and it won't be that expensive because he had there's a certain body type that he likes that is available. Big safeties. There's a lot of big safeties out there, and he will go create a defense that'll turn the ball over, that'll make it kind of fun to go to a game. While I go find an OC and spend some time doing the boring stuff of putting together an offensive line and finding the niche and doing all that kind of stuff. That's the only reason I go with Quinn. It'd be so funny if they did go with Bobby Slowick and he went from coaching C.J. Stroud to having to fix Bryce Young. You know, the irony would be be so remarkably rich. It would be worth like an Amazon all-or-nothing series just to see how he attacks the differences in these two quarterbacks because they are size different, uh, Attitude the same, but very different qualities in how they are successful. And I'd love to see a guy like Slowick who go from one quarterback to another and have to do very different things. I think that would make or break this guy's career. And I'm not gonna, another thing, I'm not sure that Ben Ben Johnson is the answer there in Washington. I completely disagree. Why, why, why do you think? Is it is it because they're going to go get a quarterback? You think he's going to be able to take and do what yeah, he did I, within with a, a guy much like Danny Dimes? Same kind of concept. You'll be able to make him different. Oh my gosh, Danny Dimes is a horrible example. No, it's because of what he's done with Jared Goff. I mean, like he and it's not just Jared Goff. Like to be very clear, and I don't want to take anything away from Jared Goff, uh-huh. but it's the the utilization of Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh yeah. Reynolds and Sam Laporta and the way that the run game gets going. Now, all that is aided by the fact that they have maybe the best offensive line in the NFL, the Lions do. But I think beyond – it makes logical sense to hire Ben Johnson. But the the Washington franchise is in a much more dire situation than literally anybody else in the NFL. And you have to, you have to start on the same page everywhere. And it's nice to have all that be youthful. So you've got – Effectively, a brand new owner, obviously, in Josh Harris and, and Magic and that crew, right? And you've you've got a brand new GM. You've got you know the the Warriors dude, uh, you know, kind of helping out here. You've you've now got a young you know head coach who you hope can be around for a decade, 
and you get your franchise quarterback at number two overall, Drake May or whoever winds up being, if presumably Caleb Williams goes number one overall. Um, you have your, your foundational pieces in set. You've laid the groundwork. The cement has now dried. Now it's time to build up. My, this is I, – I, I'm, I'm trying to just – I'm trying to figure out when you, we talk about what the commanders are and where they are. Why isn't Belichick mentioned more prominently with them? Because you can talk you about need... a franchise that is desperate for something and they're but rebuilding they're... and doing all this stuff. You bring in a, a guy like Belichick into Washington because, because they need to flip the hourglass upside down, man. You know what I mean? Like they they need to start everything over, and that's not the that doesn't fit Bill Belichick's timeline. Okay. He's just not in that position. He's Bill Belichick needs 15 wins to pass Don Shula to become the winningest head coach in NFL history. And not I mean, enough time. That, I got you. That, that, that could take, you know, three years. <laughs> because you think about, and, you, we keep talking it, about Bob Myers is his name. So you, you put Bob Myers with magic and, and, and this dude with more money than anybody that's coming to the league since Tepper, I guess. And then you bring in a Belichick. It seems like that would be the kind of prescription that the NFL would certainly love in a place that really needs to be. I mean, NFL has survived with average Atlanta for a long time. But Washington feels like it needs to be a part of the upper echelon of the NFL. It just They have been in the past, and when it they're not, the league like, ain't the same. And I think there's a, that would be there's a, good a whole place. lot of people who don't know. Like I know that modern times, it feels like the Eagles are the biggest rival of the Cowboys. It, oh. was, it was Washington Always. being like that. These were some bad dudes. Like this, this was a scary rivalry. Like they were really, 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 really good. They, the um, I think it was the nineteen eighty three Washington team that Gibbs had a, team had a turnover differential of plus forty six and lost the Super Bowl. That's just insane. That's in like they were so good that they just. I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, you know. Our nation's capital. Uh, they got to be good. It would be. And it, you, you think about what they were under Gibbs and before that with George Allen and the success they had. A Belichick in that line of coaches seems like it might fit, though. It doesn't look like it will actually occur. Uh, we did talk about it. Vic Fangio has oh, the dude, well-traveled, well-known uh, defensive coordinator has landed in Philadelphia. Fangio does pretty good against uh, it, the, the, the rivalry uh, between uh, McCarthy and Fangio is a good one. Fangio owns the Cowboys. He does. I mean, he 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 kind of struggles elsewhere, but like this is a this is a big move for Philadelphia. It is, and and he was. I don't know if you recall this. He was their special, um, like Dwight Schrute, like assistant to the offensive assistants or whatever through the Super. They hired him for the playoffs last year, uh -huh. literally in 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 just the playoff run. And it was presumed that he was going to be their defensive coordinator after Jonathan Gannon left, but then he got the Miami gig and I guess turned them down. And so this just kind of feels like he's like, fine, I'll go do it. I'll go help you beat the Cowboys because you can't do it on your own, which is nerve-wracking. But I mentioned it. How is this not tampering? Because the Eagles picked up a draft pick from the Cardinals for the weird kind of tampering situation that happened with the aforementioned Jonathan Gannon. So, like, this this happened way too quickly for the The NFL loves to insert itself and be like, wait a minute, this this smells and looks and acts a little funny uh, we need you to cough up a fifth round draft pick. Like, I don't know how this isn't tampering. He just, they mutually agreed to decide to part ways. And then he less than 24 hours later, he's on his way to Philadelphia to sign the contract. Like that's, it, there, there should be some, some restitution involved here. They wanted to put that to bed so they could talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we're going to look much closer at the games we get on Sunday. Catch them live right here on San Antonio Sports Star. When you hear them, you'll know. That uh, flight by Yingling is behind your your uh, opportunity there. We're coming back, looking at the games through the data. What does the data tell us? Who should win by the numbers? We're looking at it next. This is Robin RJ, and you're on ninety four one as San Antonio Sports Star. 
Listen to 941 San Antonio Sports Star on your Amazon or Google smart speaker and just say, Alexa, play 941 San Antonio Sports Star. It's Rob and RJ. I got some tickets I got to give away. You want to go see a stand-up comedian, bar none, one of the funny ones going, Willie Barcina. He's coming to the Aztec next week, February the 2nd. If you want to go, grab your device and dial quickly, 656-3776. And if you are caller number four, you will attend, along with many others, a stand-up performance that will feature family, religion, race, sex, politics, you know, your general Thanksgiving uh, dinner conversation. Uh, but it's much funnier than your weird uncle who just shows up for the uh, the pie at the end of the, the meal. Uh, <laughs> caller number five. Um, Everybody got a weird something. uncle that shows up late and just eats the pie and leaves. I read something during the break that I did not know. What's that? You ready for this? <laughs> That's a good uh, thing. It's nothing, nothing about what you just said, but um, no did you know the Texans are getting new uniforms this spring? I, I did read that they're going to add a little bit of the oiler f- flavor in there. A little bit of the the powder blue might be a, a play a role in their new uniforms. Is that true? But these these are I don't know about that, but these are new uniforms. So. Yeah, they got some strong colors to work with here. I'm excited about this. Yeah, the, you know, th- there's a version of their uniform that looks really good. And then there's a couple of versions. When they go the color rush, whether it be blue or red, that aren't my favorites. So um, it's difficult when you're dealing with red and blue. The color combos, you have to add in a third color or they get kind of lost together. It's a, It can be really good, but it was due a... Uh, an update. What are you talking about? These are these are easy colors to work with. What do you? Mean I never felt like they different? were. When you see like the, you know they tried to go with the blue jersey and the red number. I don't like that. I need to be able to see the number. It, it's just a, it's a personal thing with me. I don't care if you outline it in white. It just it doesn't match for me. I will say this: the Texans look where they wear white jerseys with yes. navy pants. I agree. White jerseys, it's navy pants. That is one of the best looks in the NFL. Clean. That's a strong look. Mm-hmm. Because you got the navy helmet, you got the nice kind of navy, white navy. That's that's their best look. It's clean look. I agree with you. But all blue, all red. I don't like it. The, the, the red no, helmet's I mean, fire. The, I'll give them that. But uh, the red helmet's stupid and awful, and it's the worst decision that any set of human beings has ever made in the history of this earth. Says you. Yeah. Says, Says right you. Yeah. Says the right person. Sitting there in your cowboy blue, spouting like, it off like that. You know what I don't like about the Texans logo? As as I kind of unpack this a little bit here. If you look at, let's look at, like, think about the Buffalo Bills logo, right? The charging bill. Okay. The charging Buffalo The, ver- the current yeah. version. Right. The, if you flip that, it's the exact same thing. Right? Like, if you mirror it, it's the exact same logo. It's just flipped 180 degrees horizontally, It's right? bovine, yes. No, but it's it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. If you flip the Texans logo, it's not the same thing. No, it's because like, it's it. built to be on a helmet. It's got that, that three-dimensionality no, kind but, of bend to it. You're right. right. It doesn't flip well. It is only that. You're right. No, but it's not that it doesn't flip all. It's that it doesn't flip logically. No. So look at it right here. So if, if you look at the standard Texans logo, like what's on a cap or what's on a shirt or what's on a polo or whatever, it, it looks like a bull where the right side of the bull is navy and the left side of the bull is red, right? That's that's the – like if, if we look at this animal the way that they're yes. presenting it to us. So if you were to flip it on the other side, then the star should be on the red side. Right. You it's know what I'm not. saying? Like the, It's not. Like when you flip it, it's the, it's it, – it, it's actually two different logos. It's two different animals at that point in time. Like if you're presenting an animal that is two colors, a hundred like completely split down the middle horizontally. So if you want to be accurate, then the left side of the helmet should 
you know, be predominantly red. Does that make sense? Uh, you're deep in the woods here, but I follow you. I'm with you. What do you mean deep I'm in the woods? Because I no, I always felt like that the the logo for the Texans was built to be put on things. You know, it wasn't a logo to represent the the team. It was a logo no, of the it, modern era. Like, how will this look on a hat? How will this look on a shirt? It's not real. It's not a real right. thing. Like the the bill. Like when you look at the bill on I get either where side of Josh Allen's helmet, it's the same animal. It's the same mascot. The ones on either side of C.J. Stroud's helmets, are, those are two different animals. Like they're, they're presented different ways. So who is the real Texan bull? Nobody. Well, we don't know. It's a it's a fraud. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I hope this new uniform kind of situation addresses this situation. Uh, Pittsburgh only has logo on one side of their helmet. You know what bothers me about that? While I'm, I mean, I know we're saving our grievances, but what bothers me about that is you set up your set, Rob, right? Like you're doing a bowl game, you're doing the Super Bowl, you're doing whatever, and you got the set. Maybe it's Christmas time, you got the poinsettias, whatever the case may be, and you've got the helmets down. Wow, is the that visiting, the new helmet? That one in the middle? No, no. Good. Fine. <laughs> the uh, the visiting team goes on the, the viewer's left side, the left side of our TV, and the home team goes on the right side of our TV. Uh huh. It bothers me. When they put the Steelers on the wrong side, and you don't see the logo to show the, to show their logo. Right. If they're the visiting team, you can't get away, or the home team, you 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 just got to play it as it lies. You can't lie to us. In the These weeds with things. Rob and RJ, uh, looking at the games this weekend, um, I, there's two teams that are chasing dynastic numbers in San Francisco and, and, and the Chiefs, right? I mean. Are the, are the Niners chasing well, the they're, they're, they're trying numbers? to stay in the conversation, considering they've been they here. They have won the, a title. Right, and if and, they don't get it now, they're not going to be. What I'm saying is they're trying to maintain and get there. The Chiefs are, are trying to you know stay in the, the same breath with the Patriots. We're talking about four Super Bowls in five seasons. They would join the Patriots and the Bills back in 1993 to do this in a five-year span. This is an opportunity for the you know the Chiefs to really etch their name in the hierarchy of the greatest teams to have ever set foot on a football field in the NFL. It is there. And San Francisco, if they can finally get one, will justify the last five years of uh, the existence of Shanahan and what we've been told was the whiz kid and now you know that. I think those are the two teams. And then there's Baltimore. And I, I can't the quite... It, uh, that's what I'm saying. Are they... Is it Lamar and Baltimore? Because the storylines feel the same, though they're getting here in a very different way. I think that San Francisco is looking to justify. Not, you know, like they, they need this. You know what I mean? Right. They like, need it. But again, if they don't win the Super Bowl, it will it will be thirty years since they've won the Super Bowl as a franchise. I mean, they'll they'll go thirty years officially. Um, but Baltimore, Baltimore won the Super Bowl eleven years ago, and. Has a quarterback who won MVP four years ago. I mean, like they're the true, you know, kind of proper dynastic, you know, team to kind of look. And if they win this Super Bowl, if they go on to it, obviously they'll have won three in twenty-eight years of existence. That's crazy. It really is. And why isn't McDonald, their defensive coordinator, more prominent in the coaching search? Because I'll put it to you, de- the defense. Mind. Well, the defense that's coming in. And and certainly it's not cool to be a defensive coach, uh, but the <laughs> but the defense that ball they, they led the the NFL in points against and turnovers. They also have something like a plus hundred 
14 point differential against playoff teams like they they've just destroyed this vanquished team. This could be the Chicago Bears kind of defense without the names. I mean legitimately as good a defense as that is walking into a Super Bowl as we have seen in 30 years. Th- this they're, both their coordinators like Todd Monken when he joined this team, you know, coming off of, of you know coming out of the college world, a lot of people were kind of curious but like the offense has been in, like who's the the pass catcher on the Ravens that you're like oh I want that only flowers and just because he's a new flavor I mean right I mean well he is amazing to be clear is. but like he's a rookie to, right. to your point I mean it's not like the, you know it's it's the scheme like it's and it's Lamar obviously but I mean I don't know why Todd Monken hasn't been even meant like Mike McDonald's been mentioned at the very least and they're obviously on their run which is why he can't necessarily do interviews right. the same way but Todd Monken isn't even getting sniffed does he get a uh, short change because it's Lamar. I think kinda. I mean maybe there's a, I think I mean we've seen that happen, you know, although like Tom Brady got lots of offensive coordinators head coaching jobs. Really? Although, you know, Eric Bieniemy couldn't get one off of Patrick Mahomes' accomplishments. So maybe there is like a Lamar handicap or whatever if you want to call mm-hmm. it that, but that, they're winning it all. When I look they're, at this matchup, when when you when you look at Chiefs and Ravens, you think Ravens D and Lamar and Chiefs offense with kind of a defense. You know, I don't we don't look at the Chiefs defense the way that it should be looked at. The Chiefs are second in the AFC in points per game. They're second in the AFC in yards per attempt, and they're second in the AFC in sacks. This defense for the Chiefs is literally the reason they're here. Now, it got them. Now, Mahomes is the reason they're here today. But the defense is what got them here when they had to win those big ones despite those losses that were surprising, the home losses that we're not used to. I think we we we've overshadowed uh or overlooked a chief defense that is capable of stopping Lamar. They are. You know, I think what happened was their defense was playing at this like otherworldly level and then the team as a whole, specifically because of the offense, hit a little bit of a skid. And so it, it kind of inhibited anybody from being able to properly you know, when they went into that Monday night game against the Eagles that they wound up losing on the Marquez Valdez Scantling drop. A uh, buddy of mine, Alex Gold from 610 Radio in Kansas City. I remember, like, the day of that game, he tweeted out, like, tonight's the night that, you know, the Chiefs defense gets worldwide recognition. And then they lost. And then, again, kind of went into a little bit of a tailspin. Right. And, you know, it was all this different stuff. And you're right. Like, everything's kind of calmed finally. Now, Josh Allen had some success and played really well against them. But he is Josh Allen. And so this is a big deal. Like, we talk about the the, you know, properties at stake for Lamar if he's able to win this game and, and kind of justify himself alongside Mahomes as a proper rival. But if the Chiefs defense wins this game, it's like you shut down the league MVP after you shut down Josh Allen. You did both of those things on the road in while everyone was doubting you and you got back to the Super Bowl, to Rob's point, for the fourth time in five years. Uh, we will look uh, closer at the uh, San Francisco uh, Detroit game in the next hour coming up on the tops as we do every hour we're talking San Antonio they go down to OKC Hod 141-14 Wimby performed up to snuff are they ready for Portland they'll be in town soon enough we're talking Spurs next don't go nowhere because he's our J.O. Choa and I'm Rob Thompson and this is 94-1 San Antonio Sports Star this is R&R in the morning man in motion handoff Pollard coming right Bang, zoom, touchdown, Cowboys. Quentin Yama about three feet behind the line. Got it. It's R&R in the morning with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa. Good morning. Good morning to you. 
He's Rob. Jay. I'm I'm Rob. I'm Rob. I'm Rob. <laughs> you sure? I'm 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 pretty sure. Did that ripple across here? You too? Did you get that? Anyway, I'm uh, Rob Thompson. He is R.J. Ochoa. I had some kind of weird effect going on over here. Um, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, I'm certain about who I am. I'm like, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm Rob. You know what I'm, the problem is? You keep I'm lobbing. Ha- you, you keep lobbing nicknames at me. You just keep throwing new ones. Some I don't like. I'm Rob. Let's see, Rob one, T. One, one, one you brought. I don't even want to talk about it because it, it was it was brought up again yesterday for somebody else. No, I don't want. No. R to the O B. That's me. How about Boar? Rob backwards. Uh, I am boar. I, I no, am but Robert. like a like the animal, like a boar. Like oh. a, <laughs> Anytime you bring up an animal like that around my son, like what does it go? Oh, do, do you have the toy where the arrow you spin the arrow around it and it makes the noise of the animal? Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah um, it's, a, it's a necessity. He, uh, yeah, the, his favorite is the rooster. <laughs> One that we're accustomed to. Hey, we'd like to congratulate the Milwaukee Bucks for entering in a brand new era. Uh, they fired Adrian Griffin and promptly went out and won their first game without him, though after the uh, win, uh, they announced that they did get themselves a coach. Doc Rivers has been revived from the dead yet again. And uh, we'll go and uh, try to rectify what a, a, a ship that isn't really sinking. Um, they went and got <laughs> themselves another win. Uh, Warriors went back to work last night after the loss of uh, – uh, their assistant coach, um, just a, a, a terrible situation there, uh, and, and an ongoing rough season for uh, the Warriors. One of which, you know, it's kind of easy to sit back and laugh, but my gosh, how, what else can happen at a franchise? You get dealing with Draymond, an assistant passes away mid-season. You, you, you got all kinds of issues, and you know you're playing out your string if you're Kerr. There's guys like me saying move to San Antonio. It's it's a rough time up there in Golden State, but they. Uh, uh, did celebrate appropriately last night. The uh, the Spurs uh, gave a season or let the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder's get 140 points, a 26 point win. Oklahoma City's won four consecutive games and remains tied with the Timberwolves for the top of the Western Conference. And man, oh man, do they look like it? Uh, SGA had 32, and it was a it was a, an effective, quiet, consistent 32 points. I mean, it, he was there when they needed him. Uh, he was a, a willing passer when required, and they were just Oklahoma City was just better up and down in everything they did, but for Wimby. They're they're a machine, Oklahoma City that is, um, and the Spurs have one cog. He's an awesome cog, but you know, on his own, he's not a machine, and he doesn't have other cogs to power the overall unit. And I think we saw that unfold when, the course of this game. When they did play against each other, man to man, when they were guarding each other, and that's what we were all watching as we went. Wemby owned him. That's what it was. Wemby, well, volume was certainly there uh, because Wemby is the dude. Wemby had twelve shots and went five of twelve. Uh, Chet Holmgren only took four from the field. Uh, was two of four. Now there was a couple of threes that he hit. Uh, points uh, against each other, man to man, mano y mano. Uh, Wimby put 14 on Chet. Chet put six, and there was a uh, a hearty go back and forth. Uh, it was as mad and angry a game as I've seen from Wimby since the first game. Now, he brought the yeah. pepper like he did against Durant, and it showed. Offensive uh, matchups, uh, 25 and 35 for Holmgren. There was a, the, the teams were better. Oklahoma was better with Holmgren in. 
uh, Wimby was a minus, but you lose by 26 points, that happens. It was the seventh time Wimby had recorded uh, 20, 10, and 4. That's 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 blocks. That's the most since Tim Duncan did it in 97-98. He's also the first rookie to average 25 three blocks in a six-game span since Duncan in 98. And for the entire season, he is now over 20 points a game at 20.4, 10.1 rebounds, 3.2 blocks. He is now, I believe, after last night's performance, the odds-on favorite for those that look at the best player and not the best player on the best team for your Rookie of the Year. Yeah, you know, I can't remember a time, Rob, where, you know, it was this complicated, where, you know, you had one rookie who was just Mm -hmm. so significantly ahead of the other in every statistical measurement of no, but the other one was somebody who I really wanted to pick. And so that has made it super difficult to determine who rookie of the year is through January 24th. Now, I I'm not I don't want to continue to just degrade what I saw from San Antonio cuz it was a bad outing. They, they got Oklahoma City off of a game that they had just stolen. It was on a back-to-back on top of that. They came into San Antonio and got roped. And you know, the the, the Spurs started fast. They just they just couldn't hold on to it. And Wimby in the matchups while uh, he dominated Holmgren. Holmgren just looks more polished. He looks older. He looks more mature. His game is more mature. He just doesn't need to take the the number of shots, the volume, because he's got Shea Gilgis beside him. He got Jay Will over, Jalen Williams over on the side. He's got other guys to kind of take up the slack. So it doesn't really. That isn't about his polish, though. That's just you know that's that isn't about him. That well, isn't about Chet. I hate how much I hate Chet because of all this stupid stuff. By the way, like I hate this. Well, let's this continue is, to I'm, compare because it's so much fun. Uh, Wimby. I, I, but I hate that I have to hate him. I hate that the NBA media have done this to well, him. It would be worse. I, he's, he's awesome. He I want to enjoy him. And it would be worse if he'd have dominated Wimby last night, because then there'd be nothing to look at. But uh, that wouldn't have happened because Wimby's so much better. He, he is. He is not. He's better now. He's not as polished. You can tell he's going to be. What in do the you long mean he's not as polished? You're, you're, not. Calling Paul, you're, you're calling You're referring to him having teammates that can help him be better. No, no, as it's not polished. that. I'm just talking about just the little things when you watch individual players do things. When you watch them dribble and when you watch them shoot, do they do everything right? Are they squaring their knees, their hips? Is their elbow tucked? Are they finding the plant foot? Are they doing everything on top of being involved in the game? And that's where a true pro comes to play. And Wimby's doing about seven or six of the ten things that you need to do every time down. And Chet is up to about eight because he's had a year of work. It's just apparent now Wimby is so much better because he can do other things and it's natural he's doing things that coaches would want to improve upon but they never even told him to do it he can just already do it and that's why you look at Wimby and you look at Chet and you look at the matchup and you go I like them both but that uh, that the, the the taller one the guy who says he's seven three but actually seven five there's something about him if you didn't know who they were and you saw him go after I think eight out of ten would go I I, I like Wimby I like that guy he can they're both great but that guy does one or two. It short. Maybe, well, I'm not taking away from Holmgren because the dude can play legitimately. He's going to be a force for a long time, just in a very different way. And as we continue to compare, Wimby is on pace to become the first player, rookie or not, to average 20, 10 rebounds, three blocks in a season since Shaq did it 24 years ago in 99-2000. Holmgren just recorded his 70th three-pointer in the season. He joined Eddie Griffin in 02 and Kristaps Porzingis as the only rookies to, re- the rookies to record 73s and 100 blocks in a season. And he's already there. We're talking about numbers that extrapolated are just amazing. 
but it's not enough in Wimby's case to carry them to a win because he doesn't have the same supporting cast. And he's so far away from even being close to where OKC is. It's it's become very apparent to me, RJ, that the talent is just not there. He needs help. I mean, that's just you, in in today's NBA, you can't do it literally by yourself, which is which is the task for Wemby right now. And what? to your point, like even if he were the you know fully evolved version of himself, which he's clearly nowhere near. To your point, there's some rawness and things that have to be refined. If you want to use the word polish, whatever, those things will come in time. But even if he were that player, he's not in, like with this team. And I, I feel bad smushing on the Spurs, but like. It just—it's not a fair fight, you know what I mean? You're you're bringing a, a what is it? A knife to a gunfight? Like that's what's happening here. It's just—it's you—you cannot, you you simply cannot beat five people. You now, can't. Now the good news is, OKC is head and shoulders above because they've been working on this for a little bit. They've had opportunity uh, to use those high draft picks, and and unwittingly, uh, everybody thinks they're drafting a, a potential, you know, All NBA type. But I, I think that when Shea Gildas Alexander was drafted, that expectation was maybe. I don't think they had any idea he would be this. This Shea is the Spurs Manu. This wow, he's everything we thought he could be and more. And but we didn't, you know, it's it's just one of those once in a generation, my goodness, he is more than we thought, and we already thought he was pretty good. So they have that going for him, and they've had some very effective drafts. Jalen Williams late last year has been a revelation. Uh he single handedly won a game two nights ago and beat the Spurs uh with just Great shooting and physicality last night. This is just a second-year player. They're just so much better. Portland's coming to town, and Portland is in the same boat the Spurs are. This well, is they're a team pissed off because they it, had a game taken from them. Yes, but this is a team <laughs> in talent level that is pretty equal to the Spurs. I When you line them up man for man, Anthony Simmons and Jeremy Grant and Jabari Walker and DeAndre Ayton, not a lot of fear there. We saw, We thought when the Spurs came home, we knew, and they've continued to be there competitive now. I mean, they lost by 26, but that was a 13-point game all night. I mean, that's what it was. They it got away late. This is a game they better win. What I'm getting at is now's the time I feel justified as I tell you all of the things that Wimby is doing that there are now games you better win. Not that you should win, but if you don't win, we now have to start treating you like teams that are expected to win some games. And we th- That's the thing, like... You can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too, Spurs. You know what I mean? You can't, and that goes. For, I don't think that Wimby is interested in that. I do think the Spurs are kind of interested in that. I think the Spurs are kind of of the, of the mindset like, hey, hey, just give us time, relax, stop freaking out. I do think Wimby's a little bit more impatient. I think Wimby's like, I mean, we 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 ever since he was like, look, all right, statement coming up. Wimby has kind of you know lived up to his end of the bargain. So I don't think that Wimby is comfortable. And I don't mean to imply or insinuate that he's mad or you no, know no, upset or anything so. like that. But right, but I do think he's like this stinks. <laughs> like I don't want to do this. Like you know, let's try. <laughs> like well, let, let's go for this. Let him commiserate and, with Scoot. Well, I mean, it's a thing. Like you, you gotta, you gotta win some of these games, and that's why that, I'm not mad about the Oklahoma City game last night. I'm not. I'm, I'm mad about the Charlotte game last week. Like th- those are the games. Like you know. If if you're gonna ask us to lower our expectations, they still have to exist. Mm-hmm. You know, they they can't be non-existent. So you can't drop these games. You cannot be the worst team 
in the West. You cannot be a bottom feeder, you know, the plankton on the boat of the association because that's who you are right now. And that's where the Zach Lowe's in the world get off and, and can say the things that they can say. By, yeah, by you're, every you're, evidence. you're throwing that chum in the water. I agree with that. So you've got to win these. And, and, and everything is relative because this time last year when the Spurs were in this chase, we were thinking, well, there's Wimby, there's Scoot Henderson, and there's the Thompson brothers. Those are the guys that this time a year ago, Spur fan were going, you know, the lottery balls fall, right? We might get Wimby. But let's be realistic. If we don't get him, Scoot Henderson would be a great guy to grab. Well, returns on that pretty low. He's averaging 11 points, one rebound, and three assists a game, and is not even in the starting lineup. Again, propping up what Wimby has been able to do. Remember, Scoot came out of that G League stuff. He'd been playing against NBA types. Uh, Let down there. Some some news, by the way. Doc Rivers is signing a contract through their 26-27 season with that's, Milwaukee. That's about right. He won't coach that year, but at least he'll get paid. That'll add one more coach to the payroll that the the, uh, yeah, the, the Bucks are, are stringing along. Griffin. I, yeah. I, I don't think Doc lasts more than Dude, but so, a year. But to your point a little while ago, spend the money. You think the Bucks care that they're spending all this money? No. You think the Bucks care at all? No. The Bucks are pumped. Everything about the Bucks... The Bucks have... The Bucks are able to trade for Dane Lillard. I mean, like that, like it can be done. You, you don't just have to luck into all of this. And that's where I think we're we're slowly getting we're we're circling this subject. You know what I mean? We're sharks in this water, and, and we don't want to have to to get snippy. But we're kind of getting pushed to that point. On the subject of snippy, by the way, did you see Luca last night and what happened? Yeah, the, a fan thrown out. Uh, yeah. So um, the Mavs were playing the Suns. On Wednesday night, and a fan shouted at Luca, Luca, you tired? Said questioningly. <laughs> Get on a treadmill. And Luca asked security to escort the fan out, and he was the fan was asked to watch the game from the concourse. I, I, I think uh, you hit a nerve. I think he's heard as much as everybody's always said, like, dude, if you were in shape, if, if you would just lose a little bit of weight and get a little trim. Uh, just think what you could do. I this think is a bad idea. Like, no matter who you are, no matter how famous, no matter how powerful, this is a bad idea. Because what what is Luca going to hear for the rest of the season? Uh, exactly. Like, we're, like, we're, like, all Don't you say horns done, down. It hurts our feelings. Uh, uh, <laughs> Don't say horns down. Now you got teams that never even played Texas flashing horns down just because it hurts all, their feelings. All you, all you have done is say, I'm insecure about this, and it bothers me when you say it. And, like, this is... This Suns fan is a hero, like to all you know, Suns fans everywhere now. Like this is, I mean, not that the Suns have much to stand on relative to the Mavericks and Luca specifically, but I mean, still, I mean, you know, the point stands. Like this is a bad idea. Like th- th- this does not end well for Luca and the Mavericks. There used to be a guy that I believe he was. Uh, this was back when the Wizards were the Bullets. He was renowned as the worst fan in all of basketball, and he would buy a season ticket and he would sit behind the opposing team's bench, and pick one player a game and just dog him nonstop. Never cuss or anything like that. Just go and dig up history and just talk about him constantly. And there was a a time when Michael had come in with Chicago, and he sat behind Michael and read out loud from a series of books that talked about him to the point where Michael started laughing. I mean, he was just like, this is unbelievable. That guy made a name for just being that guy. That guy couldn't exist in this league. 
in this modern world, you couldn't do what that guy did. And he was hilarious. But you can't do that now. They get mad. They get a little surly. Hey, and if, you, if you're if you surly and have some grievances to air, if you need to start your Thursday in a, in a positive light, if you need to find your zen, we're 15 minutes away from calm and zen, but you're going to have to breathe in and breathe out. We're breathing out the bad air after bringing the good. It's coming. But first, uh, we got some more football talk coming. Uh, we're glad you're with us today. This is uh, Robin RJ, and you're on 94.1 uh, San Antonio Sports Talk. Robin RJ with you here on a good old Thursday. That bright thing you're going to see in the sky today, that's the sun. Get used to it. It looks like the rain will be gone for a while. As we head into a conference championship weekend, you'll air your grievances here in just a couple of minutes. If you've got them, you can type them. Uh, we'll read them on our YouTube feed, or you can see you can speak them at 656-3776. That's just in a couple of minutes. Uh, I'd like to congratulate... Uh, uh, um, well, I, I can't even pronounce the, the Suns fan. Diana Yastraminska. Yastraminska. Uh, she is headed toward the uh, semis in the Australian Open, the AO, as it's known around my house, <laughs> uh, versus uh, Quinwen Zhang. Yastraminska defeated you... WTA top 50 player in all five main draw matches this year. She is uh, She's balling, as they say. Uh, she beat Linda Nask. Nas, Naskova. Are you a uh, a pickleball person? I could see you being into this. I could see I could actually see uh, you being like really into this. I'm not sure, RJ. I, I don't I, I think that Are you afraid to try? I think pickleball might be a cult. <laughs> I, I don't have any real proof, but anybody that I know that has ventured into a pickleball arena or stadium or, or court, they Has come never back left. different. <laughs> they just come back a little wall-eyed, a little, little goofy, and they want big ping-pong paddles, and they, they, they suddenly think they're athletes, and they're wearing sweatbands. I don't know what's going on with pickleball. I'm afraid to try it. But uh, In fact, uh, my son yesterday, uh, I, 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 he's a member of a, a, a gym here in town. I don't want to give out which okay. one because I'm not happy with him. But... Uh, he went on a, a guest pass uh, this weekend, and he would go play basketball. He goes, man, I haven't been there since the last time. Uh, they took away a whole basketball court, and now it's pickleball courts. So pickleball is now infringing on basketball courts. It's a it's a weird time. I, I'm not well, sure. I, mean, I, I think it's interesting, and it must be fun. But I, I saw a pickleball match on TV. That's, right. it, that's not a sport for TV, sadly. Um, it's not a sport for TV. And I know it's also, it can be cool without having to be something that we have to obsess about. Right. I don't want to get into an early grievance, but, um, like I saw Scotty Scheffler posting about on Instagram, the team that he like bought into yeah. whatever. And, and look, make, make all the money you want, whoever you are. But it was like, I don't even know what the team is called. Like. Let's just call it the like the bumblebees. I, I it get was the like sense. the new bumblebees well, merch is swagtastic, and it, it was like who is buying this? Right. Who, who who is like I need bumblebee merch for the pickleball team that well, Scotty Scheffler owns? It feels like I would go like, hey, we're gonna go play play pickleball, and you're gonna go hang out with the pickleball people, and before you know it, you're gonna be like, 
I don't know what I just did, but I just bought 25 paddles and a bunch of shirts that I have to resell. Like I, I, got, you seen... I got recruited into some kind of MLM and I'm in a cult now. On the subject of things to wear, things to buy, the NBA released this year's All-Star jerseys. I do which like those. should be wearing. I do they like those. Great. What do you think about East-West? Uh, our, our Saving Private Ryan, our DH, just asked, what do you think about going back to the East-West format? Does that I'm a fan. This is, the, this is the way it it's should be. the way it should be? Yeah. Like, imagine like, you're growing up, you're like, oh, man, I really want to be an All-Star. And you envision playing for your favorite team or whatever. You en- and you envision the like jersey hanging in your man cave. Mm-hmm. Do you envision a, an East West jersey or a Team Giannis jersey? Yeah, like, hanging East in West. Your man cave? <laughs> this is th- these jerseys are how it should look. This is this is an appropriate all star nice, look. Nice, simple, yeah. clean, effective, to the point. Red, blue. All perfect, that I would ask, beautiful, is they should have some delineation every year for the year. It says it uh, on the bottom, um, yeah. like near the tag. Yeah, it does say that. I mean, it's just it not, not that, massive. That's all I ask. Wow. So it's not never enough, no, like the song uh, from like Greatest Showman. Uh, Wimby better be wearing one of those uh, when we get there. To, if you had uh, your choice of things to do on a sporting night such as tonight, I think most of America would like to go be in the uh, South Carolina LSU ladies basketball game as Carolina is venturing into Baton Rouge tonight. And I read earlier that uh, this ladies basketball game, this matchup between the two of the Don Staley and uh, um, um, uh, what's your name? Uh, fell out of my brain. Kim Mulkey. Uh, yeah, Kim Mulkey. Um, three thousand dollars a seat going tonight in Baton Rouge. This is a a, a big ticket item. You dropping three k? I going? would go to this. Have you seen where they have the dress like Kim Mulkey nights? Where she, you know, Kim tends to dress like Elvis after he discovered carbohydrates in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is, it's really hard to paint a picture in a handful of words, but you, you did it. <laughs> and that's the most appropriate. Kip Mulkey's got wow. a style. See, she looks like Elvis playing the third show at Caesars back in 1972. Did you, did you watch the Elvis movie, by the way? Oh, yeah. My wife, man. We did, Elvis did is you a, see, a part of my life. No, but did you know? Um, so I like to look up trivia. Again, I don't know if this is a grievance, an early one, but um, Austin Butler, who played Elvis in the movie. The guy who right? couldn't the, lose the his accent one? after he did the movie. That's what I was, yeah. was going to ask. Did you know that? Like, that, that would be the weirdest thing ever. Like, imagine. <laughs> Imagine interviewing him, and he's like, and "You're like, <laughs> like, hey, dude, you're you not know Elvis. That. You know that, right? Yeah, you, you know, you know, you're not actually Elvis, right? <laughs> you know, it was, it was all pretend." Uh, well, thank you movie. very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> you're not Elvis. Weirdest. You know that, right? You know. And and imagine having to explain that to people. Yeah. Well, I um, I just thought I was him. <laughs> like, <laughs> just let's lose it. But no, I uh. I, I, I watched him do a couple of awards show afterwards, and I was like, "That poor cat needs to go get deprogrammed." Wow. And uh, anyway, uh, I, I would go, and I would, I too would wear a leather jumpsuit. Who's with, winning? With pink pick, flowers. Pick the winner tonight. Uh, at home, I think LSU's tough, though. Man, Don Staley's team—they're number one. Uh, they're going to win it. This is one game where Mulkey's okay. going to lose. Staley's tough, man. Uh, we're going to air our grievances coming up. So if you got something to say, sound off like you got a pair. Graham the Festivus poll. Do what you need to do, but we need to find our zen, and we will do it next. This is Robin RJ, and we're about to unload. You're on 941, San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, you're on 941, San Antonio Sports Star. Get used to it. He's R.J. Ochoa. I'm Rob Thompson. 
And I'm sitting in a radio studio and a, at a grocery store at the same time. If I hear that commercial one more time, if I have to sit through one more commercial of some dude in a giant puffer coat at a football game and a, bas- and a grocery store at the same time rapping about it, how much time has Instacart pot on the sporting events that I'm watching? My God. Instacart, enough. It's every other break. Even your dogs are upset with it. The mailman here. So what is, what is your problem with it specifically? I, I mean, hate it. It's it, it never it's, stops. It's, it's every see in my life. I, I the only time I ever see commercials is when I'm watching sports. a live sporting event. I never. Okay. I, I I build my life around starting events late so I can fat. I hate commercials. I have gotten to the point where I detest them. So when I do see them on this rare basis, like when I'm watching a, a football game or a Spurs game. I, I have so your grievance that, isn't commercials, though. It's this specific commercial. It's this one. This one? I have three commercials that I, I dislike. I, I'm tired. I have reached an age where it appears that every uh, the, every drug commercial is aimed at me. Okay. I understand. So, um, and it's not so, that. What I hate is the names of the drugs. Oh, that's the, that's the grievance. Not even My the commercial. It's just- who, who's naming these things? Who, who yeah. na- I mean, some of them sound like, I mean, I, they're, they're just ridiculous names. So I don't know what the process is behind naming them, but I, I, I'm not going to take anything called Sky Rizzy. Yeah. Or like, take me Max. Like, it's just like the weirdest, you know, Sky Rizzy's okay. a rap name. I understand where you're, you're down with Sky Rizzy's I mean, record. No, I don't empathize with you, but I understand why this would bother you. So there's you. that um, because it's in my, you know, now that we're in niche marketing and they, 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 you know, you are pointed out more than you ever know. You've been geofenced. You've been searched. Your search history, they know what you like, what right, you don't like. Right, so now right. all I ever get is like prostate commercials, uh, low T, uh, heart failure, diabetes, and it comes at me constantly or the ease of life stuff, the Instacart. The uh, I'm at a grocery store at a football over and over and over. And those are the only commercials. And I run from them now to the point where I'm right. almost willing to wait to start a live sporting program, a live sporting event 15, 20 minutes late just so I can get through the commercial. You'll catch up really fast in 15, 20 minutes. Like, that's, that's not the enough. problem. So you have to that's wait. not enough of a buffer. And to, to do so, that is like you have to go away for 30, 35 minutes. And that means also put down your phone. Go away from oh, all now, other now things. Now you can't live without your phone, you millennial. Well, I'm just saying, you, the updates wow. for other things. If there's other things going on in the world, not only are you turning off that, but you're turning off everything. So you so, got to okay. watch the commercials. You've gotten like six grievances in one grievance. Well, that's, just I'm, just very clear I'm, I'm just warming up. It's Thursday. What Everyone is, can offer their grievances. What, what is your grievance? What annoys you? What pisses you off? Let us know in the chat if you want to call in and get something off your chest 6563776 what's in your crawl what's stuck in your crawl whatever right. that is a couple things here i have two main ones but i can be persuaded into going further <laughs> if you'd like um you mentioned commercials so we have two dogs all right what are their we names have a little pup we have little puppy honey honey He's brand the newer new yes one. cutie by the way Goodness gracious, man, her energy. I have a lot of grievances with Honey specifically, but that's that's a whole different box. But anyway, um, Honey's actually, aside from her like insane energy, more chill. Bear is the more anxious one. Bear is, you know, Honey and Bear. Uh, he'll be he'll be five years old in June. Is Bear spelled B E A R or B E X A R in homage? Uh, he is not named county. after the county. Okay. Now, um, so Bear is a COVID dog, so he's a little little anxious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whatever. You know what we don't need anymore from commercials? I'm I'm jumping oh, on on your, your doorbells. Bandwagon. 
We do not need doorbells in commercials. Nobody wants this. This is a horrible idea. Uh, nobody in the history of the world has had their life benefited from a doorbell being in a commercial. Because you know what's happening? I'm watching the commercial while I'm watching a sporting event after 7 o'clock. Yep. And I've got the two dogs with me in the yep. living room. And the baby, the toddler, is asleep. And then the doorbell and the commercial goes off. And the, the one dog freaks out. And then that dog gets the other dog to freak out. So everybody is freaking out. Mm -hmm. Everybody's barking. I have to jump up from my position of relaxation to calm the situation. The whole and then thing, I have to, yeah. Then I have to get up and go get them treats, and then I'm up, so I might as well get something. And everything I was doing has completely been thrown off of equilibrium because some idiot decided to put a doorbell on their commercial. Why? Why does this have to happen? You know, in the industry, there is this unwritten rule that you do not have a loud knock or doorbell on most commercials on air. And in the vehicle for radio commercials, you do not have a siren ever in any commercial. It's just kind of the, it's not illegal, it's, but it's just wrong. You just don't it's a, do it's it. It's general courtesy. And you know what? I, I am making a decree, a declaration. I will not purchase anything from anyone that has a, a doorbell in their commercial. I don't care what it is. I will not. It's funny that when every now and then you get this spate of it and then people get mad. That, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a, a, a senator uh, that was that got sick and tired of the volume of the commercials being higher than the broadcast level. You know, like you'd go to break and suddenly the commercial is blasting out of your TV. Then you go back to the show you've been watching and it's normal. Well, that's now illegal. Do you want to know my other one? I, I'm eager, man. I like the first one. So then we'll get to some. Well, by the way. Um, Alexandra says in the chat, the doorbell commercials get my dogs every time. Uh, Rudy says, I have three dogs that bark at people across the street and the other dogs in the back and squirrels, but they never react to anything on TV. You Good must have them. dumb Good dogs. My dogs no. are super intelligent. They also bark at people across the street, to be very clear. Well, my um, dogs don't even, well, I don't have, there's no way for anybody to, to ring my doorbell at my house. You can't get to it. You, if you've gotten in, you've gotten through a gate. There's no just walking up to my house and ringing the doorbell without being announced. So, but I have a doorbell built in. They'd never heard a doorbell. So the only doorbell they have literally ever heard is on TV and that makes them bark. It's, it's genetic. They cannot not bark when they hear the doorbell. So I want to get to my other one, but I do want to address something that somebody brought up. I'm sending y'all a picture in the chat. Um, the comment here is from uh, Tony. says, my grievance is that dumb-looking green shark fin on the Lions defensive player. Why can't they just be like the rest of the league and just wear a green dot? Thank Tony, you. you're talking, you're talking you. about Brian Branch, yeah. the rookie safety for the Detroit Lions. I sent y'all a picture. Yes. Um, it's not – so the green dot on defensive players' helmets in the NFL – that's is, the microphone, uh, right? it's, it's the player that, that is allowed to hear the signals from right, the defensive right, right. coordinator or the play call, whatever, and they're the person who administers it to the rest of the team. This is not that. It, it, the, the dot just so happens to be lime green, which is what this happens to be. This is a mouthpiece, a mouth guard that Brian Branch just happens to find comfortable there. <laughs> like he just, instead of having it attached to the bottom of his helmet like some players do or, or to his face mask or whatever the case may be, um, he, he stores it here. Um, that's but what Brian it, Branch does. The picture you sent me, it's stored during gameplay. So yeah, well, I mean, like, so, sometimes he forgets to put it in. You know what I mean? Like, whatever the case may be. I mean, so, um, yeah. I've never seen that before. 
Um, I can't, I can't, I can't explain his line of thought, but it's not, it's not the green dot. That's all. I, it's not, it's not a med, it's not an antenna that, that's connecting him to Aaron Glenn. You're a mouthpiece. Um, did you ever have to wear a mouthpiece like on it? Like uh, back in my day, I you only not. wore a mouthpiece if you played football. If you played it's basketball, just, you didn't. You know, you you yeah, might go I, get one. You might want one, but you were really only forced to wear one. Some people are saying that Brian football. Branch is the Steph Curry of the NFL with well, all the drama surrounding the mouth. Well, that's kind of where I'm going with that, you know, because I hated when there came a time as a basketball player, like you need to wear a mouthpiece after I, so I started. And the, the biggest problem with the mouthpiece is there was never any place to put it. Once well, it was in, like, I you, kind of empathize with Steph because like, yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to just have it stored in your mouth the whole time. And you, I started, you know, yeah. Got, and Steph has enough money to go get one that would fit and you wouldn't even notice but you know south side of san antonio go get a mouthpiece from bruner's boil it and you know hold on and hopefully you know when you go to the free throw line stuff it in your sock i mean i get sticking it in my helmet i never could find a place to put the damn thing i'm ready for my second grievance let's hear it okay so when you buy a washer and dryer set you should be able to choose how you want the doors to be set up like you like should not have to be like swinging. Yeah, like you should not be like, oh well, this is my positioning and this is where the the cords and you know the plumbing and everything because you know you the, the way your house is or wherever you live, you can't. You, you have to line you have to line them up a certain way because of the vent or whatever the case may be. Like sometimes the dryer has to go on the left or the right again, depending on your particular setup. So if you're in love with a certain washer dryer, you should not be like, oh, this stinks. Like the doors are going to run into each other. Well, I have to find a different. Can't you switch the side? You can't. I don't think so. You should, you should, that should be customizable. It should be something that you can tailor on your, your washer dryer. If you can, if you can change them, that's news to me and I'm going to go do that right now. I've never because, done it, but I've never run into the problem. As it stands for us in our home, uh-huh. our washer, if you're looking at it, is on the right side, but the right. door opens to the left where and the dryer is on the left side and the door opens to so the right. So they meet in the middle. So unloading yeah, is so, a bear because you can't move it across because you got to pull I out. I wouldn't call and it unloading. The door. It's the, tr- yeah, it's the transfer yeah. from washer to the dryer. You go around so the door. You, you have to go over the door. And so then you drop something, and then the dog who heard the doorbell comes in and gets a wet sock and Fix is this. running. It's just chaos in my house. Fix so this. there should be an ability to amend, not even when you order them. To your point, maybe it does exist. You should be able to alter this. It's just the door. You know what I mean? It's not. I'm not saying I should be able to alter the water flow or something like that, like something ridiculous. But there should be a very easy, like, hey, man, just flip this around and the doors adjust. Back a long time ago. Before the uh, when you, you would, could buy when you would wash clothes on, on, on the on the, on the, no, on the basin before you could buy yeah when I was <laughs> washing my clothes on a rock uh, uh, back back a long time ago before the internet's um, this is this is kind of akin to that I was tasked with purchasing a couch now we had picked oh, out the couch and uh, my wife and I had uh, decided on the couch and it was a sectional it went one way and then it turned L an L shaped um, yeah. Joe says you can change these, by the way. So I'm going to take yeah, a look. I think at, you right. can. I really do think you can change the doors. I think that they're made where you can flip the door. To well, I brush. might have a very important update tomorrow. Yeah. You'll yeah, see. I think that would be worthy. Now, that will involve some tools that you don't own and take more time than you could possibly come up with to fix. <laughs> but uh, there is an opportunity for you to do that. No, I was tasked with buying a couch. And um, we had picked out the couch. My wife was like, okay, go back tomorrow and buy it. We looked around, and we are going to do it. Go back, buy it, get it delivered and all that. So I walk in. Right. And I bought the couch. And then when we had it delivered, I bought the wrong couch because the, the L, the, uh, the turn part was on the wrong side. Ooh. I bought, bought the, the wrong couch. Okay. 
I so, get what you're saying. So like where you maybe wanted it to go in like the corner of a room, it went now the it's stuck into the empty space. Yeah, oh, the, dear. So they moved everything in, and the guys are like, well, how do you want it situated? And I'm like, right there. And they go, no, bro, that ain't going to work. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I had bought the wrong couch. Those cats had unwrapped it. So little did she know that I knew that I had screwed this thing up. So I jumped on the phone and got it switched before she even knew there was a problem. But those Look guys, at you. Oh, see, that's one of those things that you, you, you lay your head on the pillow that night and you go, there are some days I know God loves me. There are some days that, you know, this shouldn't have gone the way that it did. This could have been a horrible day, but one thing broke right and I'm okay. But that would have been just about the worst thing I could have done. I have one more grievance, I, if you're ready. And I don't know if I'm you ready. have another. No, I have one more, but it, it's not nearly as, okay. as good as yours. Mine is another first-world problem similar to the, like, skip recap thing from yesterday. Um, I do a lot of reading. I, I read a lot. I read a lot of information. I, you know, digest a lot you of information. You and I both. I need – I don't know if it's an app. I need a function on my phone that is connective tissue. I'm, I'm Team Apple. I got a Mac. I got a phone, iPhone. got an iPad. I need something to where – I, I can store everything to read. It's like I see something throughout the day. This goes in my magic box. This goes in my magic box. And so when I have time, I can visit the magic box and read whatever I mm -hmm. want. However, I found these things, whether it's through Twitter, through Instagram, through browsing, through Apple News. I need one place because what happens is like I, I see somebody's like Substack. Okay, I save it on my list in Substack. I see something on Twitter. I save it in my bookmarks. And I've got like 14 different places that I have to remember to recheck and mm -hmm. revisit to make sure I read the things that I want to read. I need one magic place to put everything that I want to read. And I don't want to have to log in or re-log in or add my credentials or whatever the case may be. I just want one place. That's what I want. Right now, I have an email inbox that has 62,000 unopened emails. It that is makes my, me want to vomit. I know. Probably. I know. It, it, it's, it, it, it makes me tense just thinking about it. But it is that email that I have used as the... Hey, give me your email address for whatever it might be. The, the, if it's a contest, you know, it, it, all we need is your email to sign up or get coupons or whatever. So I've used that one over and over. I get the sense if I had that, it, like what you have, everything that I found interesting but didn't have the time for, I threw into a bucket. Before long, there'd be 63,000 little tidbits of knowledge that I felt like I'd have to go find and there'd be no way I could catch up. Like I always feel you like would I was behind. Somebody would be like, "Oh, did you read the? Like, oh, it's on the list. It's yeah, on the it's list. <laughs> it's the forty-seven thousandth thing in the on the list, but it's there. I vaguely remember so that would induce more stress to me. Sometimes, in my mind, as I have gotten older, I have found that ignorance is indeed bliss in most occasions." Ratbrain two ten says, "My grievance is people who drive slower on the highway on the fast lane than the speed limit, but won't get over into the slow one. That's pretty. Don't be a jerk. It's inconsiderate. Um, Don't be that person. That have been long term listening." Uh, my wife is not listening right now. I know where she is. Um, that's my wife. I, I, I've been married out to a left woman lane and, for over 30 ooh. years who does 70 miles an hour in the left lane. She thinks just because she's doing 70, she's going over the speed limit that she shouldn't have to get over. If you want to speed and speed more than her, it's up to you to go around her. And I have to ride. Like We'll go. We'll drive from like here to Dallas. And she'll know I'll drive, and I'll be like, oh, no. So I'll be in the front seat. And uh, do my best to pay no attention because I'm in the right side and everybody that's going by us is looking at me like, because you know, I'm, I'm that guy too. 
So then it's like, oh, oh my god, sorry. I'll fall asleep in the car to will myself not to look around, and I'll wake up and I'll just kind of lean over and look in the rearview mirror, and my wife will have like a like a semi like on her ass, like right there, and there'll be a line of them. She will have slowed traffic for miles, and people speeding by me, cussing. Uh, It's been thirty years, guys. I can't fix it. I've tried. You know. You know what else is um is a tough scene in, in terms of drivers like that? It's a grievance of mine as well. I don't mean to add one more, but the the person who's riding with you that like the the like fractional sign of danger or duress <gasps> and like but the like incredibly over dramatic reaction to just a car switching lanes. You're not lanes gonna break, like. are you? You're gonna kill us <laughs> like, all. Because it's like I was not stressed at all uh, until you did that. You know, <laughs> like now. You've put us more in peril than we were otherwise. You know, so I, I'm not that guy. I used to be that guy. And you know who else isn't that guy? Private Ryan. I, I was given Private Ryan in a, a ride into work. His very first day, he, I was going to go pick him up early. And keep in mind, we come in really, really early. So it's been a couple of weeks ago, and I picked up Ryan. And we came in a direction I normally don't come in on. You know, I come in on I-10 and go to Ford 10, yada, yada. I was coming in on uh, 151. And then gonna and hit 410. So it was in an area that I was unaccustomed to. Um, it was pouring down rain. Um, I, I, it's dark. It is storming. I'm on a road that I'm unaccustomed to, and I'm half blind anyway. Um, I we were almost killed twice by a semi. One guy pulled into our lane. I hit a, a one of those puddles and a hydroplane through it. My man, Private Ryan, former Marine, sat calm as a cucumber. I mean, we were almost killed. Ryan just easy does it, man. That, respect, that, that respect given. E- e- either either he was really asleep, heavily sedated, or has seen combat because he was much calmer than even I was. Yeah, he had I mean, every well, right to jump res- me. Respect to Ryan. So, um, first of all, Rudy says I'm currently at Home Depot, and I can confirm that at least four front load machine doors are adjustable. So I have a honeydew on cool, my list. Cool, there you um, go, man. Yeah, that's I'm, why I'll this report- is good. I'll report back tomorrow. Um, everybody agreed that the person who gets dramatic while you're driving is super annoying, basically. Um, you know, so Rob, you said you had one more. I don't want to not get to it. What uh, is this your one final not, is, This is day? just secondary. Uh, I don't want to watch any more basketball with Mark Jones calling the games. Oh, okay. He, he's so good at most of it and so annoying at the parts that matter to me that it, it's just so hard to watch. Every moment is not do or die. Every moment isn't huge. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to. We don't need bangs for everything. <gasps> Thank you. Like, it's a special thing. All right. And I, I love it. And it's a part of NBA and basketball history and lore. It does not have to be said 14 times no, in a playoff game. Does it, not. It's, you know, pick your moments. You know what I mean? If, if you oversaturate the bang, then you actually kind of, you know, diminish the value of the bang. Its significance is lost in repetition. And you you have to be good enough to deserve a bang. Not everybody is, can merit a bang. And I say bang to you. A bang, bang, bangity bang. R.J. Ochoa. We had a banging show. Make sure you put a thumb on it today. Bang! Make sure you continue to like. Bang! Make sure you have subscribed. And make sure you bang! hang around. We've got a long sporting day in front of us. The news will bang! be breaking. The Blitz will be here at 2. Biggie is next. And then Romy's on a vine. Bang! Bang, 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 bang! We'll see you again Friday. Look at the bang!